And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. Welcome to Comics Monthly Monday, number... Wow, what are we at? 45 this month? Comics Monthly Monday, number 45. It's going to be a mutant episode of Comics Monthly Monday. And I'm Chris Honeywell, and I'm going to tell you why. It's because this is our gigundous New York Comic Con 2012 episode. And it's um, uh, myself and Mike Bailey and two, count them, two eyewitnesses to New York Comic Con, Mr. Paul Spataro, who actually went there under the Demanza Corp auspices. Hello, everybody. And Jose Rivera, who went there rogue. I went there and they wouldn't leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. And, um, and we're doing double duty with Jose Rivera uh, this month because... He has also now. Is that what we're calling it? <laughs> yes, yes, double duty, double <laughs> booty duty. Said, you said duty, <laughs> and I'll say it again. I'll say worse before the night is over. But um, now, along with Mike Potit, published Star Trek author, we have published author Jose Rivera, who's finished a whole book and published it. Thank you. No, thank you. I don't know you. where to go from here. Yeah, hey. Cue the applause. Yeah, we'll 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 grill you on that later on after we're uh, after we're we're more comic conned out. But uh, yeah, that's gonna the the main thrust of the show is uh, by the end of it we'll make you feel like you were there. We even have um, we even have uh, reports from uh, other Demanza Corp reporters or affiliated subcontractors that uh, Paul Spataro has gathered up to. Uh, so it's going to be comprehensive, right? Is that the, a good word for that, I guess? Uh, I hope. <laughs> if I'm about anything, it's thrust. No, wait a minute. <laughs> Rocket Rivera. Oh, God. <laughs> so, 
so first from, things to be known as. From our conversation we were having before, I gather, Paul, you were there for two days, and Jose, you did double double duty, and were there for four days. <laughs> yeah. All four days. I was trying to go there, and I ended up going there for zero days. They cheated you on your pass, then. I know. I cheated I myself. I wasn't even invited. <laughs> I didn't, did I forget to invite you, Mike? Everyone always does, so I just assume it's going to happen. I am the Charlie Brown of podcasting. Do you ever do you ever do long distance stuff like that? I, I never have. Well, once I in two thousand eight, I went to the Superman celebration in Metropolis, Illinois. Or if you are, you know, that's a good trip, like yeah. me, Illinois. <laughs> um, no, and and we're we're hopefully, if everything works out, going to be going again this year. But I've never gone to, uh, you know, New York Comic Con. I think I would go to before I went to San Diego Comic Con because. Uh, no. Excuse me, guys. Want, I'll be right back. You want to be a part of it? I like, yeah. I like New York better anyway because San Diego is all about you know what movies are so. New York, they're a little more comic centric, and there's so much more comics to buy there. Like, they're very good with the dealers that are in the area who want to sell comics. To go there is like a 50-cent and dollar bin paradise, if you know uh, where to look. Yeah, San Diego seems to be much more, like, media-oriented lately now that it's the big, you know, it, it seems to be movies and TV and, and celebrities and, you know, it attracts the major media, so it's going to be more... If if they're going to talk about comics, something, it's going to be because there's a new Superman movie coming or something like that, you know? It's it's well, I, it's almost I, I more of a place to, to leak Diego. trailers and stuff, you know. I haven't been to San Diego, but I do know that they, you know, they have the comic panels there, so they they do at least pay lip service to the comics. Oh, but, oh, sure, but it it, you know, it doesn't seem to be the focus of it. Well, it, it seems to be probably with all the major media attention that they're gonna that probably brought in a lot of more money. And attention, so they're gonna foster that a little more, you know. But how can you, you know, you can't. Well, I guess if music, if MTV can do it, you could probably phase comics out of a, out of a com, a, a comic con, a convention mm. named after comics. But um, and and I mean, San Diego Con just by the time of year they have it, kind of plays to. Uh, to to the movies well because they it basically comes right before the blockbuster summer season, and it's so, close to where all the Hollywood people live too. So well, not that New York City isn't full of of show business people too, but yeah, I, f I find that the movie presence at New York Comic Con is more the past movie stars who are making appearances and you can get autographs and that type of thing. Yeah, the sort of regular oh con God, thing. Oh my God, this year was bad. What you, bad as in there were a lot of them or bad as in there was a terrible representation of them? Bad as in, okay, like they had, uh, they did something they really didn't do the past years. They made a separate section for celebrities, you know, which is very good, but, uh, and they had some pretty big names. They had Christopher Lloyd, Burt Ward, Adam West, Ian McDermott, the problem was the prices that they were charging. Um, Adam West, Christopher Lloyd were 60 I believe, for an autograph. Uh, Burt wow. Ward was 50 Ian McDermott was $120. Wow. wow. Here's the problem. 
they specifically put up with certain people like Adam West or so. You couldn't take pictures with them. You had to buy a photo op, which was another 40 or $50. And that was on a separate day. So, like, people like me, you so know, I don't have that two much. lines, yeah. Yeah, two lines. And, I mean, I saw people online with, like, like, like handfuls of stuff. So, they obviously had the money for the autograph. I had a certain budget to work with. So, I had to cut out celebrities altogether. I wanted to meet a few of them, but I just didn't have the money. Wow. Well, you know, I mean, I think we were talking about that when we were at watching. We were watching the the same thing happen at Star Wars Celebration, and it must be probably all these celebrities have gotten together and worked out the way they want to do it now. But um, I'm thinking maybe they judge it by like what would they be getting if they were on a movie shoot or something like that, and they figure it out how okay how many autographs can I do per hour blah 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 do I have to do to pay my agent and the you know and to pay for all these 8 by 10s that I had printed and stuff like that and still make you know whatever their something comparable to like screen actors guild prices or whatever yeah. and Ian McDermott probably gets you know the higher the price that's the more that that person's getting Ian, Ian McDermott's probably well I don't know it's I don't think he's that hot a property outside of Star Wars but, I mean, uh, I, I know with with the photo ops, I think it's run by a separate company, so they're working with them. Mm. So I can see them charging for that. And I know that they have to pay for, you know, plane tickets to get there. They're definitely paying for the table to get there as well. So right. I don't totally get on the celebrities, but it's just I just didn't have the money for that. There were other things I wanted to get at the convention. And it sucks I didn't get to meet Adam West because I wanted to meet him 10 years ago at a previous convention, but I only have a certain amount to work with. See, I think yeah, I, I'm I'm more into like if I met Adam West, I would be more of wanting to like bump into him in an elevator or something. Yeah, same here. Because when you do that whole table thing, it's always just the whole idea of it's awkward to me, you know. And the the idea of like, okay, we're putting this person on display. The person's putting themselves on display, so it's not like they're you know, it's like Planet of the Apes or something where they pull them out of a cage. <laughs> but although sometimes maybe economically it is when you see some of the ones that are like might be a little more washed up and this is all they can sort of scare up to do that that may puts an extra layer of tragedy over it but it just feels it's just weird and awkward that it's like all right I am just here meeting you because you are famous and 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 I'm a hypocrite about that because there's, you know, I mean, I remember when I first walked into Dragon Con and I saw Louise Fletcher there, who's in my face when one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I was like, oh, my God, I went over to her and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. It's Louise Fletcher. Hi, how are you? And, you know, and was completely starstruck. But that was just out of sheer. I was not expecting someone like that there, <laughs> you know, but I yeah. had um I don't. Sorry, get, I I just don't. I I don't get it as much. Maybe I mean there might be people who sell the autographs on eBay, so they go okay. Like it's. I know I'm going to get two hundred and fifty dollars for this if I get this signed by that person, so I can pay a hundred and twenty dollars. Or that seems so foolish to me. Yeah. Yeah. But it might I, actually I, I, be I, true. That's a sad but, but thing. I, I, I find with the celebrities, you know, whether you're talking comic celebrity or movie celebrity, it really doesn't matter. Uh, the the pleasure of it, if you know, if you want to use that term, I don't even know if that's the best word for it. But the thing that I enjoy is when you get somebody who actually has the ability to interact 
and schmooze a little bit. Yes. Like, you know, we talked about last year when I was on, uh, we talked about, you know, how I sat down and I was talking to Neil Adams. And, you know, we had a, a long conversation where, you know, he he just has this way of making you feel comfortable with him and, and talking to you as if you are important to him. Because you and probably that's, are. That's a gift. You pro- he, but, and you probably are on some level because the, the people who you aren't important to, you can pick up on that in a second too, you know? Mm-hmm. And and they'll still be gracious and friendly and stuff, but it's like, hi, how are you doing? Blah blah blah, and you can see them just going from from one to the other. Where there's uh, that was like Gil Gerard when we met Gil Gerard, he was just like, you know, we we caught him in a moment where either we caught him in a moment where he was relaxed or he was always like that, but he just sort of after a while we were sort of like, okay, we gotta go, you know, <laughs> mm. but. But I, 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 I mean, my experience at this con, I, I didn't interact with that many different name people, but the ones I did, every one of them was a pleasure. Same and, here. And we'll, we'll go into some details on that, I guess, as we talk some more. But I, I really, really did enjoy my experience talking to, you know, and and I, my, my only talk, the only people I talked to were the comic book people. I didn't. That uh, was going to be my next question: Were they mostly actors, or, or because that's what I found with the the comic people are, are just seem to be happier to be there. You know, they don't feel that that they're more in their element. I think, you know, being there, that's that that they're in a context that's more natural. They can sit down, they can draw, you make, make drawings, which that, you know, is probably very enjoyable for them to just sort of sit there and sketch around all day and, and, and chat with people who are genuinely interested. Whereas a lot of times I get the idea with some of the actors are just like, I have to do this for publicity or, you know, my agent says this is a good idea. And and another thing we, we talked about last year also, which, which always comes back to me, is with the comic book people where in that setting, you know, they're, they're royalty. They walk three blocks away to get a hot dog. There's a good chance nobody's recognizing them. Right, right. The movie yeah. people, you know, they're dealing with being recognized all the time. Right. So, so I, do, I do think there's a difference in... Uh, you know, the, the appreciation level of, you know, being recognized and being having their work appreciated. You know, I, I always heard people talk about that with the Comic-Con. They were saying, you know, if if you see somebody who's one of your all-time favorite artists, even if you can't afford to go over and buy a sketch from him or, or a, you know, any kind of a, a print or whatever, it's still worth your while to go over and say, hey, you know what, thank you for everything. I've really enjoyed your work over the years, and that they do appreciate that recognition. And, and, I, and I found as a general rule that that is true when I've spoken to some of these guys. I don't necessarily have to buy something from them for them to take time and talk to me. Yeah, well, it must, I mean, uh, uh, on, on that level, that's just, I mean, that's the... It seems to me, whatever art you do, that's maybe not the ultimate, but just on the basic level, that's the best, you know, thing that you can have result from it is have somebody come and say, I saw what you did. I appreciated it. It affected me. And thank you. You know, that's I I, I think that's about the best you can you can expect from it. You know, I mean, there's getting rich and famous and all that stuff, too. So. I I just don't see how anybody could not uh, uh, appreciate somebody doing and 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 somebody coming get your autograph is not necessarily uh them 
saying that you know it could be just saying that they're they're acknowledging their um their fame and saying yeah this makes this very um valuable on ebay or impressive to my friends or something but just just thanking someone or 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 just say just saying that you liked what they did as you know i mean as as podcasters we know that when somebody says i really like your podcast it's it's a great feeling mm-hmm. so yeah i i i i've never felt i never felt um out of place talking to and another thing about comics artists and stuff like that is they're not celebrities you see on tv or or even hear their voices or anything outside of outside of their artwork so it's even more fascinating sometimes to get a look at them in in the in real life and go oh my god this is this person that's been doing you know this this artwork that i've been looking at for years and and here they are in in action and that's and that's way more exciting than the actors because you're not seeing the actor they're not acting as a matter of fact you'd probably have to beat them over the head with a pipe to get them to do anything acting like <laughs> while they were there mm-hmm. whereas whereas you can watch you know that was one of the neatest, neatest things in Dragon Con is the first thing we walked up to is Michael Golden drawing a picture and I'm like oh my yeah. god I'm watching Michael Golden create a piece of artwork and he's just chatting along with us and I'm just like fixated on his notebook going oh my god I can see the little round shapes that he always you know there he is forming those shapes it was it was fascinating you know yeah it really is i i I found that that was one of my favorite things was actually just watching the artists draw that it's just you know i don't know it's just a a big thing the the guy who seemed to have the biggest crowd for that so i couldn't approach him at all is uh george perez oh oh yeah his lines are usually what was that what was that no, I, I'm about to agree with Michael that his lines are you, like I remember I went to a convention um, in March this year and the line for him was like two or three hours. But he took the time to talk to you. If you wanted a head sketch, he was only going to charge you twenty five and he was going to talk to you about what character you liked and why he was going to give you every minute of time that you were there devoted to you, what you like, you know, and let you talk to him and everything. So even though the line was extremely long, he made it worth it. Yeah, I was at that same show. I did. I didn't wait on the line, but I did see how he was paying attention to everybody. That oh, it came was. Up it was amazing. Well, that's back to back to Dragon Con. That was the second guy Scott and I walked. We turned right around and and walked right up to George Prez. He was just standing at his booth with nobody there, and we just started talking to him for a while. And the funny thing was, I had no idea who he was. Scott was just like blah 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 <laughs> blah, and then Scott. Scott, I could tell Scott was picking up that I didn't know who he was, and so Scott called him Mr. Perez, and then all of a sudden I'm like, holy shit, we're talking to George Perez. And it well, was you should have known because he was wearing a Hawaiian shirt. He was wearing a Hawaiian <laughs> shirt. And, 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 and you know, I, I, I never would have figured it out. And plus, at the same time, it was just, you know, I mean, he was so down-to-earth and friendly and just, you know, chit-chatty, same as my, Michael Golden was, too. But um, and it, yeah, it was a joy. He did something that really impressed me this year because um, the past two years I've been using Twitter, you know, when near Comic Con to find creators, and he put up on his Twitter and Facebook something where he said he knew his lines were getting long, so here's what he did: if you went to his table, he gave you a raffle ticket, and he wrote down your name and a number like normally he would do for sketches. 
But he said, look, okay, here's how this is going to go. We'll see if this works. I'm going to write down your number, and I'm going to tell you to come back around this time, like maybe, you know, 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock, because the line's going to be a little long. It's like a fast so, pass Disney. <laughs> kind of, yeah. So he, he says, okay, well, here's a number. You come back at this time. If you need a sketch, I'll do a sketch for you. You just want uh, just to talk and for me to sign something? I've got no problem, because I know you want to do other things at this convention besides standing on my line. So take this, come back at this time, have fun. And I thought that was really cool. That is pretty cool. That's, that's, I hadn't heard that. That's a lot of extra work on his part, too. So maybe he has good... Well, by his assistant. I was just going to say, maybe he has a really good assistant. He, he did have niece. a couple of guys with him. Yeah, that's that's right. He had his... That, his Oh, my God. His niece... I can't remember what costume his niece was dressed up as, but his, uh, Scott and I have pictures of it from Dragon Con. His niece was beautiful. I don't know if she he has... Was, she's also very nice, too. She's actually... She engages in conversation, too, which I didn't know who it was, but I just thought it was somebody nice, and then I realized, oh, crap, that's his niece. Yeah, she was wearing, she was wearing a very skimpy, skimpy outfit and was, and was also very, very friendly when, when we met her, and, and uh, I think that was <laughs> a lot of the conversation Scott and I had when we were walking away. It was like, wow, George Perez was really cool. Did you see his niece? <laughs> <laughs> But pretty pretty much everybody there had somebody with them to either take care of the taking the orders for uh, sketches or you know just to kind of get them what they needed to to draw. You know, every everybody had somebody. I mean, I'm pretty sure one of the people who I spent a little time talking to was Herb Trimpey, and uh, I'm pretty sure he was there with his wife. I'm, I, I don't know that for a fact. Yeah, because otherwise sure you're trapped was. at that table, you know. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hate to pull a Scott, but he's still alive. <laughs> he is, and I, I mean, I could talk about him a little bit. Uh, he's he's a really really nice guy. Uh, I I, saw, I actually met up with him on Saturday, uh, and I brought with me. I had written to him back around 1974 or so, back when I was doing that with several people. But I had uh, you know mentioned I, I wrote to him and I said that he was. Uh, you know, uh, one of my favorite artists and that I enjoy his work. And he sent me back a postcard that he signed and he drew like a little thumbnail sketch of the Hulk on it. Oh, wow. And I brought that with me on Saturday when I met up with him and I showed it to him and he was impressed that I've, you know, kept this thing for 37 years. Uh, and then I ended up buying a sketch while I was there from him, a Hulk uh, head sketch, which, which it was cool to sit there and watch him draw it. You know, uh, but he, he was like, you know, I, I probably talked to him for about 15 minutes or so. Then after he took. Oh, and uh, when I first went up and I ordered the sketch and then he said, you know, come back in like an hour, I'll have it done for you. And I asked him, you know, would you mind taking a picture? So I had my camera with me and I gave it to the man who was at the table with him. And he he took the picture. But basically what he did was he pressed it down halfway so that it locks in the picture and then it beeps but it doesn't actually take it unless you press all the way down so he did that twice so he thought he took two pictures and he took none so then when i looked at my camera later i was like i got no picture with him so then when i went back after he drew the sketch he took you know he he got up and he took another picture with me i did end up getting a picture with him but he, he was really really nice 
I've heard so many stories of people losing pictures on their on their cell phone of getting great pictures and not saving them or doing exactly what you just said there where they, you know, they get the little screen capture of it but the person doesn't actually, you know, seal the deal. Seal the photographic deal. Well, seal I think, the um, deal. <laughs> the best thing about this year was, um, especially with Artist Alley, they moved it to a bigger area. So it was like a giant hall. And the, the thing I have to give credit to the staff for the most is the organization. Because I wanted to meet Scott Snyder. And he only had an hour for a table at Artist Alley before he had to do a panel at the DC booth. So I had my Binding of American Vampire. And the line was insane because I think Batman 13 came out the day before with the Joker's new look and everybody wanted that signed. Mm. And the the thing, like if anybody knows me, the thing that I hate most at conventions is getting stuck behind somebody who has a short box full of comics for one person to sign. It's happened to me way more times than I like to admit. And the line was getting so long, it was blocking traffic. It was like blocking the intersection to other people's tables. So what the staff did was they separated the line like um, into little chunks, and they told everybody online. They went up to each chunk and said, look, guys, he only has an hour. We're going to try to get as many of you as we can, but it's only a five-comic limit. And I thought, great, you know, I mean, that's fine for me. That'll speed people things were, up. People were complaining. They were bitching and moaning. They were like, I can't believe, we, you know, we come here, we pay our money. We should be able to have all, all these books signed. You know they're going to sell them on eBay. I had one thing, and that was fine. And five, five is plenty. Yeah, it's more I, than I, generous. I think if, if for somebody that popular, if they turned around and said one item, I think that, that's acceptable. Yeah, I think you want to. I you think it's rude to try to get. As, I, I think it's just rude to try to get as much out of somebody as you can. You know, th- where, where you're thinking of it as like an, like some sort of financial exchange of like where I need to extract. You know. I, I've broken down my cost getting in here to each artist, and I have to extract that amount of attention and blah blah blah. That that's just rude. It's just rude. I but there seems to be when whenever you get large groups of people, it just you, you always get that percentage of people who are going to like squeeze as much out of each encounter that as they can you know they're trying to maximize it i call them the humpers it just gets under my skin every year but but this year because they did that the line went so fast and when i actually went up to him he'd seen the, the the picture of the binding i had done before and he remembered it and i think he remembered me from assigning a couple like a couple years ago which shocked me but I got to talk to him. I told him how much I enjoyed the book. He signed it to me, which which I loved. And he spelled my name right because most writers and artists don't know how to spell Jose for some reason. Really? What? Oh, oh my God. I have gotten J-O-S-A-Y, H-O-S-E, J-O-S-A-H. Like, it, it's getting really bad lately. Hose. Wow. Josie but, and Hose. Come on. Oh, it's It's awful. But Snyder was really nice. You know, he signed my book to me, which I loved. I, I don't want to take up a lot of his time because his line was huge. But it was it was such a pleasant experience. And I was so happy that they did what they did with the line that, like, I, I really hope they do that in future years because it helps out a lot. Yeah, I'm fine. If, you know, if it's a guy who doesn't have a big crowd at his table and they, you know, and, and, and if he's willing to sign that many, that's fine. Yeah. But when there's a big line, it's it's just out and out rude. Yeah. Well, I... 
not this past Dragon Con, but the 2011 Dragon Con, I uh, I went to meet Carl Kessel, and that was like my big goal for that con was to to meet him. Um, and the guy in front of me, I, I, I'm long suffering, I guess is the best way to describe me when I'm in a line situation. Because unless it's really funny, unless somebody is mistreating the people I'm with, especially my wife, I'll tend to just sit there and take it. Just because, okay, I don't really want to cause any, you know, I don't want to be the, the, the dude that's remembered as the guy that caused the scene. So I'm just sitting there, and the guy in front of me is not only got, like, a, literally a short box on a little rolling cart. Oh, I hate those. <laughs> uh, he's going through stuff with Carl, because Carl, the really cool thing is that he will talk about the books that he's signing. Well, when you've got a thousand books, that means the guy behind you. So finally, the guy who was getting stuff signed would every once in a while look at me and then go back to what he was doing. Oh. And every time he would look at me, I thought, well, okay, this is this is the moment where he that realizes he is going to, that he's going to say, you know, let me put this on hold. Let this guy. But apparently <laughs> it was, oh, you're still there. Okay, I'm good for another 20 minutes. So you, you so haven't finally, left yet. Yeah. Oh. So, so finally Carl goes, uh, Hey, can I, he's got like five books. Can you, can you, and, and I ended up having like a 10 minute conversation with him, which I didn't feel bad about at all. Cause there was nobody <laughs> behind me and captain jackass can wait his turn. So, so it, it is kind of annoying. I, I, I've been, I've had that situation also with Perez Whereas, you know, I, I got in line to get something signed and three dudes in front of me has like a thousand, you know, copies of Action Comics number 643 that oh, I guess geez. he's getting signed directly to eBay, um, which I think would probably <laughs> be the, the, the better thing to do. But the thing is, is that as annoying it is, as it is for me, for yeah. some reason, when the artist is cool about it, it raises my respect for that artist. I don't know if like they're Paris cool, just know if they're cool about everything. it or they're just very patient people well, a lot of times, you know, very good-natured people. The thing is is that Perez usually has, like, the sketches you buy, he doesn't keep that money, it goes to actor or whatever they're calling that these days. So it's not like he's pocketing the money, which he may pocket a little bit no, of it. No, but the which more I people he gets in, that's some more money for him too, though, you know. So that guy's... So when the the people no. with the short boxes are like taking money from orphans. No, no, because he will say if you want all those signed, you're going to have to give a little more. Oh, okay. So at that point, I was like, okay, so the guy's willing to pay the extra bit of money that he's going to now jack this cover up on eBay. Why would you buy? I don't understand people who buy signed stuff. Yeah, because you don't I really know. Don't. At all, if uh, they really signed it or not. Unless it's like, you know, you found a copy of A Christmas Carol signed by Charles Dickens. <laughs> and you want that in your collection. And it's been authenticated by 16 people. Well, yeah. And that's an investment. You know, that I can kind of see. But, you know, hey, look, I've got this Superman number one from 1987 with John Byrne's signature on it. You know, pay me $150. To which I say, no. But I'm weird like that. So I have I have a uh, a, a postcard from the 1950s of Rocky Marciano, 
and it's got a signature on it. Oh, shit. And I actually brought it by a sports store to ask if there's a way of getting it authenticated. And, the, and basically the guy's answer to me was, well, if I authenticate it, are you going to sell it? And I said, no. He said, if I, if, if I look at it and I tell you it's not real, are you going to throw it out? I said, no. He said, why don't you just bother? save yourself the money and yeah. just put it, you know, put it in a frame and put it on your wall and don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, he's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. Yeah, because that stuff costs money to yeah, get it all that's, that's ultimately what he said. Yeah. He said, if, you, if you're not looking to, to you know, turn it around and sell it, it's not even worth your while to authenticate it. What's the difference? It's something you like. Yeah. And, and in all honesty, that's a shop you go to again and again because that guy treated you fair Fairly. and square. Honestly, yeah. you know, just but, straight up in a world in, in, in a world full of chiselers. Well, <laughs> and well, at the same time, also, though, the thing about it is the guy's also probably saving himself some heartache of of the person possibly getting pissed at him when you say that. It, uh, well, actually, this isn't real. You know, what do you know? You know, I got this from my grandfather. You know, they're, so they're, they, they have a state. Yeah, I in, watch Pawn Stars. You know, so, so yeah, yeah, so they have a stake in in not doing it as much, but yeah, and 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 yeah, if you do get, if you're gonna keep it, the best case scenario is you get the same thing that you had before. Worst case scenario is now that thing isn't real, <laughs> and you yeah, know it, exactly. you know. So why, you know? And actually, I suspect that it may not be real, but it, I guess in the long run, it doesn't matter. It's it's hard to tell though, and and somebody who's so even even the people who are the greatest experts on handwriting analysis, you know, are not a hundred percent accurate. So they could get it wrong and say it's not real when it is. You'll never you know you never know. It was like my my father had a, a old stovepipe top hat in his house, like from Lincoln era age, you know, seventeen hundreds top hat, and he used to tell everybody, "Oh yeah, that was Abe Lincoln's top hat," and they'd be like. Do you do you do you have any proof that it's Abe Lincoln's top hat? And he's like, Do you have any proof that it's not? <laughs> you know? And that was and that and it was left at that. <laughs> bringing us back to an old podcasting story. I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, old Zebediah Bailey picked it up after he let go of the horse. Uh... <laughs> yes, I, I, I have an you... ancestor that held. John Wilkes Booth's horse the night he shot Lincoln. Really? Um, and his name yeah, really like a, is Zebediah? No, no, no. He was, actually on my, <laughs> he was on my mom's side of the family. Um, and from what I understand, he left town quickly because they were hanging everybody that was associated <laughs> with yes. it. Now, the way I want to see the story go is that, you know, like in sitcoms when somebody plays their own ancestor? Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, I want to do that with me as this guy just standing there talking to the guy. You know, John Wilkes Booth rides up, hold this horse, boy. Okay, yeah, okay. So anyways, I was with this girl and blam, six sempaturanes. And he runs out, he jumps on the horse, rides away. It's like, hey, hey. And the cops come up, did you see that guy? Yeah, he didn't give me a tip. I held his fucking horse. <laughs> I, I would picture you standing there talking with the local bookseller about the lo- the, the the latest serial novel that was coming out, you know, <laughs> critiquing it with them, you know. Did you no, seriously. I, 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 Hezekiah, I you should write a book about this. <laughs> Did you 
you guys see that uh, that picture they have of um, the poster for that movie Lincoln, and it says Lincoln's doing well in theaters right now. Historically, this is not true. <laughs> yeah, this is breaking with tradition. <laughs> My favorite is that the, the filmmakers are kind of daring to not mention his vampire-killing past. So. <laughs> I, I, I have to see both of those movies, the historical one and the uh, new one that came out. I feel bad for the kid who does a report, though, on Lincoln, and like, he gets the wrong version, so he's up in front of the class. Abraham Lincoln was the greatest president ever, and he killed vampires. You, you, you know, you're making a joke, but... It's had to have happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big no country. doubt. It had to, it's a big dumb country. It's had to have happened once or twice. Welcome to Costco. I love you. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, you would appreciate. Uh, before I went to Comic Con, I was looking at the website and they had a uh, a link to, you know, things you should know before going. Oh, uh, yeah, and they be- and what's that? No, I, I saw that same thing. I'm thinking, I, I think, think I, I, I know where this is headed. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, it started talking about, like, things you should bring with you. And it mentioned, you know, bring a bottle of water, bring a snack. Snacks, are, you know, food is expensive there. And then one of the things listed was deodorant. Ah. And it said, even if you don't feel you need it for you, you need it for the people around mm-hmm. you. <laughs> that's yeah. it. That's, I think that is the part that a lot of people don't get. They're like, I don't know. I don't... <laughs> doesn't bother me i don't see why i would bother anybody else i don't even notice it yeah and if i was covered in shit 24 7 when i walk into an outhouse it wouldn't be that much of a difference but you know the guy sitting next to you does not want your con funk ass near him you just i mean i swear i swear to god i was at a one day show a one day show which means it starts at 11 and it ends at five Right, so there's no hotels, there's no staying up all night in the anime room or anything like that, and this guy literally smelled like he had cow shit covering him. No, because their their how their 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 room at their house is the all night anime room. They've been staying up and eating Doritos for the last five nights before yeah. they went to the con. That you know the shower before the con. I don't have time for that. Yeah, you know, don't, I don't, shave don't think before for a I go to a one get, day show. Don't think for a second that they get that shit smell. Just for the con. No, <laughs> that's, that, that's that, their way of life. Yeah, that takes uh, that that certain smell. That 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 very yeah. It is. It, it's a very like um, fertilizer. You know, fertilizing the crops smell. That takes some time to foster. That you have to gr- grow that like that's a chia work. pet. Yeah, you you have to you have to take some time. That's like dreadlocks. You know, it's not something that just pops up overnight. <laughs> It is the absolute worst when you are going through the 50 cent bins and you're on the lower one and they're on the upper oh. one and it just comes Ooh. crashing down on you like rain. It is terrible. Yeah, it comes, it comes, it, 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 it like, it's heavier than regular air. So like when a shirt comes untucked, it just comes pouring out. Like, so, like when they're reaching for the back of the bin and their arm is extended and it just, like, remember that scene in The Mummy when the wall of sand hits you with the face? Imagine that with body yeah. funk. That's what that's like. So um, I'm going to take this moment to uh, to get a little real with the with the audience. You know, Chris, you can put in whatever kind of music here you want mm-hmm. to. But I, um, I, I have plenty of getting real music. Um, you know, we live in a fast paced, you know, get it now world. You know, we don't like to wait for anything. We we even kind of bitch about the high speed internet we get free at McDonald's. Um. So I understand that when you're going to a one-day show or even to a four-day comic convention like the New York Comic Con, 
But there's a lot of exciting things to see. There's artists and writers that you want to meet. There's deals to be had in the dealer's room. There are parties. You know, you're meeting people, friends, new and old. So in all of that, I want you to keep one thing in mind. This is something that Mike Bailey wants you to know. <laughs> Take a goddamn shower. <laughs> No, no, I'm not even fucking kidding at the, this the, point. Pay uh, your stank ass. Let's get specific. Take a shower the day of the show. And yes. if you and if you and if you are cuz I had a friend that did this, what he would do is he would go to the show and sleep in the anime rooms. So for 4 days he wouldn't bathe. Get a friend that has a hotel room. Pay them $15. Let them use your shower. Let let have them let you use their shower because here's the thing you know we joke about people smelling bad dude that is offensive it's like assault a lot of times it can really that, be like assault what you are basically now i have met some really self-centered individuals at cons because let's face it as much as we don't like to rag on our own people we've got some socially maladjusted yes. You know numbers in our ranks we've got people that don't quite understand that just because they see the girl dressed as rogue does not give them permission to walk up and say you've got really nice tits okay that's you know it may be what that girl's going for doesn't mean that you should you know find out <laughs> firsthand okay so i understand that in your head like chris was saying you may not think that you're doing anything wrong or what's worst you may think it's funny like <laughs> i really stink and everyone around me miserable if that's the case when someone punches you dead in the face no one is going to testify on your behalf no they Everyone's might get a, say they might get a I, standing ovation <laughs> happen it is rude on a level that I mean, it, it, it's almost like going up to your friend's wife and, and asking her to have sex with you in front of your friend. Or farting that on her or something. Yeah. So, do everyone a favor. At least wear deodorant. It's, 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 it's a very personal thing to smell somebody's smell. And usually when you can smell somebody, it means you're very close to them. But if they smell a lot and you can... It, it, it brings that... It, it encroaches into people's personal space and in a visceral way. I mean, literally, I've smelled body odor so bad that I thought that I could vomit, you know, that it, if, if the circumstances were right and maybe I'd just eaten a nice um, fried dough or something, the things could turn out really badly. That's yeah, not like good. Re- that means that person's doing... That means that person... And I got an iron stomach. So that means that person's spreading around that to just about everybody that they come within a certain circumference to. So I mean, unless you're an extra on The Walking Dead, you shouldn't smell that bad. And they probably really don't smell that bad. You know? <laughs> it's not like they're dumping real pig's blood on them or something like that. But, yeah, you should... Oh, you should. You should not smell like they look. Hey everyone, faithful friend and acolyte of the two true freaks and gallant co-host of the Vault of Starling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, Hair Metal Hero here. Are you like me? Well, obviously you aren't as awesome as me in my mellifluous singing voice, but that's forgivable. Moving on, do you like to attend cons? 
Of course you do. I mean, I don't. But that's only because if I want to be seriously depressed and grossed out, I just stand naked in front of a full-length mirror. Ladies, call me. But if you do attend cons, you know what the biggest downside is? No, it's not the registration line, or the mobs of people, or the insane markup on bootlegs of the Star Wars Holiday Special. It's the dreaded con funk. Yeah, that's right. It's that one-of-a-kind pungent aroma that smells like stale piss, rotten Doritos, and days upon days of mouth-breathing, eyeball-licking, basement-dwelling nerd B.O. Well, I'm here to tell you that help is on the way from none other than all the hard-working scientists here at DiManzo Corp Advanced Olfactory Labs, deep below the bowels of Milan, Italy. Dufo has graciously provided a sizable grant for scent research in the brave hope that one day he can finally attend a big show, incognito of course, without having to continuously retch and gasp. And let me tell you folks, this shit works. What is it you ask? Why it's none other than Con Funk Soap. Yes, that's right. Con Funk Soap contains copious amounts of bleach, rose petal extract, and the dried up essence of the tears of the unborn. That's where the power lies. It's guaranteed to make the average congoer who smells like a flowering anus go from repugnant to tolerable. Just slather it on and let it soak in, rinse, and repeat. Don't forget to get your grundles and fupas some extra attention. Hey, no one is saying don't attend the cons, but now you don't have to smell like you do. That's Con Funk Soap, another fine product from DeManzacorp. Con Funk Soap, it's the least you can do. DeManzacorp of Milan, Italy takes no legal responsibility for allergic reaction to baby tears. Speaking of The Walking Dead, um, I think it was the Saturday when you got in on the entrance because they knew the line was going to be long. They did something to entertain the people. So they had from the people from The Walking Dead, they rented an RV, they hired a bunch of actors... And what they did was they had one actor dressed like Dale on the roof with binoculars oh. and a bunch of actors as zombies trying to get to Dale. So you could take pictures. You know, if you got too close, the zombies would try and grab you. It was just something really cool that they did to keep you entertained. That's awesome. I think um, I've seen a picture of that, and the guy looked amazingly like Dale, too. I thought it was him at one point, like, but it wasn't. But still, what are you going to do? That's a, That's an awesome idea. And the other cool thing I saw was, because um, you know the, the toy companies, they have booths there. So at the Tell booth, they had a Back to the Future Part 2 hoverboard replica that they're going to start selling. And they had a card that said, hoverboard prop replica, $130. Please note, this is a film-accurate prop replica and doesn't actually hover. You'll have to wait until 2015 for that. <laughs> that's awesome that was really cool and then they had um, a pin that I got that says save the clock tower by a hoverboard well the other day was my uh, roommate's birthday and it was also the flux capacitor day oh the day that the flux capacitor was invented in back to the future yeah it's amazing the red letter day in science in the future that they went to it was also veterans day too I think I think it was veterans day the same day or the, I think it was Monday, the, the celebration of Veterans Day, the day off for Veterans Day. If I can tangent further, Christopher Lloyd is going to be on an episode of Psych on the USA Network. And not only is he in a house with Leslie Ann Warren and Martin Mull, I think, <laughs> though they are going to all be guest stars, he does say Great Scott at one point. Oh, wow. 
Uh, I mean, if I if I had the money, I would have had Christopher Lloyd sign a Blu-ray copy of Clue because I know everybody's going to be Back to the Future, but I, I love Clue. I would have been I would have had him sign in my copy of One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. That's how far okay. back I would go with him. So to make a lo- and I would have had him sign, you know, The Legend of the Lone Ranger because Ooh, there's like five wow. people that like that movie, and I am not one of them. <laughs> so now I'm kind of glad Scott's not. Here. I'm yet to. I've still yet to see it. I saw. I I did see part of it with Scott, but it, I remember we were watching it on a TV that wasn't coming in, and it was like so frustrating. It's like Scott and I would watch it till our eyes bled, you know, through bad reception. But I believe his parents were just like, "Turn that off. We we're watching something that's coming in." But um, anyway, actually, in this little pause and tangent, I'm gonna get a little um, the, while I remember um. This month, and, and we're in the third week of the month, so it's almost over, but I'm assuming you can still catch up or or at least catch on in the later part of it. Uh, you may remember Luke Giaconetti from such podcasts as Earth Destruction Directive, um, The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, and recently the James Bond podcast. Um He's doing a thing now. I don't know nothing about no Google Pluses or no Twitters at all, but this is uh, this is happening on on his tw- Google Plus and his Twitter page, which you can find through his name, which is Luke Jacanetti. Luke it, Luke is spelled as in Luke. We're gonna have company, and Jacanetti is J A C O N E T T I, and under the hashtag, you see, I'm just spouting this stuff off. I don't know how this works, but I'm sure everybody else in the world does. Hashtag War Comics Month. Um, he's reading a different war comic every day, and and tweeting and Google Plusing whatever they call it on that about it. And you and I guess the comics all come from this public domain database, so you can go and read them. And and uh, and I'm sure actually Luke, being being who he is, has picked out a very interesting and uh, uh, set of them to to read. So. If there's anybody who's a fan of war comics or is interested in just getting a lot of information on war comics and having fun with it, that's what you got to do. And that was my only responsibility for this podcast for for plugging or anything like that. Hey. Well, that's that we're we're going to we're going to plug you, but that's integrated into the show. That's an integral part of the show. This was like this was something. This is something that I have to trick my brain into into finding a place to do it. Because <laughs> otherwise, which is better than in the middle forget. of somebody saying something. So yes, yes, yes. So so luckily, my my brain went responsibility. Better watch it, Honeywell. Yeah. <laughs> if that is your real name, I don't know. I don't know if I want to get. I don't know if I want to get all. Uh, confrontational with like somebody <laughs> because you're actually closer than most people I pi- it's conceivable that you could possibly show up in my door with a baseball bat. I'm too lazy for that. I, <laughs> I know you were talking yep. about how tired you're getting walking around Comic-Con, you know, traveling up to Rochester <laughs> to, to baseball bat me might be too much work. I'm so to be telling fair, you, Chris, if you piss me off enough to get me to come up to Rochester to hit you with a baseball bat, you have done something on a nuclear level. I so. can do it. I, yeah, I just choose not to. I mean, I, I'm sure I could set out and hand up a lecture, like, you know, study your life to find just the thing that will make Michael Bailey break and go homicidal. 
Ah, actually, I'll just tell the dog to tell you to do it. I know how that Why are works. you so obsessed with my dog telling me to kill people? <laughs> did I? I didn't say anything about that, Mike. I don't know why you keep obsessing about it. I didn't say anything about it. We were just talking about um, some some comic book thing just now. Yeah, I didn't say anything about it. Put uh. Boo on the line. <laughs> yeah. Boo has gone to bed, unfortunately. After, after the Bertoni incident happened here at the Bailey household. The Bertoni uh, incident? I smelled smoke. So did oh, my wife. Oh, you had a oh a Bertoni-esque. Uh, I was I was on the phone with somebody, and our neighbors had a fire the other day, and we had six fire trucks outside our house. So, nothing serious. Say, little popcorn microwave mishap. I but, thought uh, I was picturing like Bertoni coming over to visit you, and the dogs attacked or something like that. When dogs attack, <laughs> yeah, your dogs seem so intimidating. Yeah, they seem like they could really uh, do some damage. They're they're really bad when you know they get they can stand behind you. Um, or have a fence, uh, you know, between you or, you know, but <laughs> confrontation wise, when the dog's six pounds and everyone is bigger than it, it does at some point have a survival instinct. Right. It's a, <laughs> at some point realizes. Yes. I did want to ask Paul, um, did you see, go to any panels this year? No, I, I didn't get to any actual panels. I, I spent my time walking the floor and, and, in uh, artist alley. Mm. Uh, did, did you get to any? I got uh, because I took my sister with me, uh, and she loves the TV show The Venture Brothers. We 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 get in every year, but it's it's always a, a challenge because the lines are never really defined. But um, they do a thing where say you you go to the panel before it, they don't clear out the area. So if you want to stay for the next panel, you've got no problem. And the good thing about this year with The Venture Brothers is they have more stuff coming out. Like the past few years, they've been on hiatus, so they have no footage. This year, they they went out to make a fake 70s talk show as their panel to show clips and then bring out the voice actors. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and we like sat, a lot of fun. We sat through the, the Silent Hill, uh, the new Silent Hill movie. They had a panel before, but all their clips were in 3D, so they gave you 3D glasses before you got in. You say, sit, you, you say sit through as if it was kind of painful, was it? It's because I'm not a Silent Hill guy. Like, uh -huh. survival horror, that, that's fine. It's just not for me. I was interested in it, though. I mean, the the director seemed like he really enjoyed Silent Hill. So it kind of rubbed off on you. I mean, I, I'll i see the movie maybe on DVD or so. But from what I saw, I enjoyed. Oh, so it I wasn't the whole movie. Year. Oh, okay. No, it was the whole movie. It was just, um, you know, clips, clips and, you and know. Stuff. Okay. Like, like what you're probably going to see as, like, a DVD featurette or so. They, they filmed it in 3D for some reason. But it looked amazing in 3D. I, I think next year, I, what I, what I might do is, if if I can, if I can find the time to go three days instead of two, I could see going on Saturday and just dedicating Saturday to sitting in panels instead of walking the floor, because by that time, I'm sure my legs are going to be pretty much shot anyway. Oh, they're going to be done, man. You have no idea. Wait, Paul, how, but, but how I do old hear are you, that Paul? Saturday, I just turned 50. Oh, Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm an old man. Oh, I was just going to go, you, you are kid, not you an kids, old man. man. It's 2012. I'm in a band where the age... Oh, my God, 2012? I'm in a band where the age spread is 40 to 68, so you're, you're, you're in my range. Okay, so... But, Jose, man, you're young. You're young and spry. I'll be 30 in March. I am not young. 30... You're a pup. When I was 29, I did not I think, think I, I think I speak for the other two guys on this call when I say, fuck you. I don't, 
<laughs> I just I'm being a dick because I I don't own a car, so I'm I'll walk. I can walk for I can walk twelve hours a day. Yeah, you've, you've I, got you've got that spry like you know riffraff from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> if disease, I let my so. hair grow long and stringy, I can really get that going. But um, next year, I I plan on next year going, and I think one. I think out of those days, I think I'd like to just spend one day with the two of you guys just bumping around Manhattan. Well, getting some you good, know, I, I, good cheap what I'm food. Thinking, and... For me, it'd have to be the Thursday because Friday through Sunday, I'm, I'm carrying around family and stuff, and they're not very social. So, Well, Thursday is definitely the best day for checking out the floor itself because oh, yes. I would say Thursday has half the number of people on the floor. Uh-huh. And there's a lot so, more interaction, too. You you can talk to people for as long as you want. Yeah, pretty much. Although I, I had a little bit of a tough time. I was uh, I went over on Thursday to Jim Steranko and started talking to him. But he had, a, he had enough of a following there that it was hard to, you know, I didn't want to keep his attention too long and, and, and be a rude guy who was keeping him from other people. So, so he definitely had a crowd. Uh, Neil Adams had a crowd on Thursday. I went to uh, Mike Mignola, and he actually didn't have a crowd, which surprised the hell out of me. Really? I had the same thing when he was at Dragon Con. He was yeah, really – there was no line to speak of, and it was really easy just to walk up and start talking to him. So though he seemed less than impressed that I wanted him to sign my Cosmic Odyssey number one. Wow. Uh, I had him uh, sign my amazing screw-on-head DVD and hardcover, and he actually got my name right in the first shot. So I was happy. I can't believe you've had so many issues I, with people getting your name right. That boggles my it's mind. really bad. Like, I mean, um, that is pretty much the standard spelling. Some people don't even know the standard spelling. Uh, Mignola and his and his wife, I'm assuming that was his wife, were stunned when they heard that. I think him and Perez it's are the John. only ones who've gotten it right. It's Joe, right? It's John. Yeah, it's, Joe. Jo- it's it's yeah. It's I yeah. Maybe maybe because I'm from New York. Jose right. is. Maybe it's because I worked in maybe Mexican restaurants for 15 years too. You know. Uh, I heard it on the TV. Um, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, it's it's common and it's not hard to spell at all. It's just a lot of art. More artists have trouble with it than writers. I've found. <laughs> just I say just say Jose is in Jose Garcia Lopez. There you go. Praise be his name. I should do that. It's getting so bad. That I'm thinking of wearing a name tag at, at this point. Mm. The, no, the funny thing is, like, they, they try to talk Spanish to me, and admittedly, I don't speak Spanish. Whatever was like, whatever curses were yelled at me as a kid, that's what I know. So whenever they try to speak it, I have this blank look on my face like, um, I gotta go. That's when you go, excuse me, sir, I did not know I was in the presence of a racist. <laughs> <laughs> I was born down the street, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know. I tell, when people ask me, you know, like, okay, so what do you speak? I just I just steal a line from Bruce Willis from Fifth Element. I speak English and bad English. <laughs> You kind of sound like Bruce Willis when you say that too, so that's cool. <laughs> my favorite, one of my favorite actors. I have two copies of Hudson Hawk on DVD. If I learn wow. another language, it's going to be Esperanto. That's that's you, my sir, goal. are my hero. As I love that movie. Damn right. Which movie was that? Hudson Hawk. Oh, you Eddie Munster-looking motherfucker. <laughs> that now that someday we we may have to do we may well have to do a episode on on Hudson Hawk. I haven't seen it in a Bring long time. Up. 
but that movie was I'd be mis- up for that. That movie was in George Bush language totally misunderestimated. That 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 uh, it came out two years too early. It really did. It it it, it was. I don't. I think people were used to action movies with a little comedic element because, you know, Lethal Weapon and Die Hard both had, like, you know, you know, get together, have a few laughs. Yeah, this, but this one was, this what, was you a, had to suspend disbelief all through the whole movie. It was it was ridiculous, and you had to but, go with it, it you know? Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a comedy that just has a lot of action elements to it. It's, it's, it's a play on the whole, you know, heist movie. But, you know, it was, like, three different things at once, and I'm sorry, 1991... Um, I don't. I don't think pop culture was ready for that. No. Well, well, what happened is also they gave a, a lot of money in Bruce Willis to the director of Heather's and said, "Here, make yeah. a big budget action movie." And and they were surprised that they got something totally, you know, from left field. But you can really tell that the guy that wrote, you know, Heather's, and you know, wrote that film. And it's also, you can, you can see a lot of where Kevin Smith got his dialogue sent from because everything is this very fast, poppy staccato, you know, you know, I said that you Eddie Munster looking motherfucker, but it's like the, you take it in the ear for a a beer rat bastard. I mean, everybody's dialogue was like that. I'm going to torture you so much. You're going to think it's a career. I love that. One of my favorite lines. My, my favorite joke in that, I think, because uh, Bruce Willis comes in and, and his friend says, you know, did I miss anything? So he says, oh, I bet you went to Mrs. Lincoln at the Ford Theater and said, how was the show? Did I miss anything? Did I miss anything? <laughs> I love that line. Uh, I, I, the, 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 what I remember the most about it is is him at least getting a drag off a cigarette while he was rolling down the street on a Ooh, journey. Yeah. And it's a menthol. Yeah. Hey, mister, are you going to die? <laughs> wow. Um, wow, did we get here? <laughs> I'm trying to go back to New York. Oh, oh okay. That Saturday, I'm, I'm walking past the Marvel booth, and it's shocking that this year Marvel had a booth, because in previous years, they, they haven't. Like, last year, they had a big Avengers stage, but it wasn't, like, an official booth. So I'm walking by, and there's a big crowd gathering. I'm like, what are they gathering for? Out of nowhere, totally unexpected, Clark Gregg, Agent Coulson just showed up and just stood there, taking pictures with people. Didn't tell anybody, just showed up. And I thought that was cool. That's very cool. He's a big geek, by the way. So that doesn't surprise he's, me. He's married to somebody famous too, isn't he? Uh, All right, I, I don't stumped know. the room on that one. I'm pretty sure he is. Now, uh, one one uh, Comic Con thing that I can give just kind of a uh, plug to is we have a friend, guys I work with, and we actually a girl I work with. Her husband is an attorney who uh, negotiated the contract for Oni Press for the Scott Pilgrim movie. Mm. And he's, he's connected us with the Oni Press people in past years where we've been to their booth. Uh, you know, and they, they just treat us really nicely. So every year we make a point of going there. And we went there this year, and Joe, who I believe is the owner of Oni Press, but I don't know for sure if he owns it or if he's a partner or if he just runs it, whatever the case may be. He's the guy in charge. So we went over to say hello, and we're talking to him. And while we were there, I, my son was with me, so I said, you know, why don't you pick something out? I'd like to buy something from them because they always treat us so nice. 
So he started looking at the uh, Scott Pilgrim, the the new publication they have where it's uh, a hardcover and it's color colored now, and uh, they go for like I think it's like forty five dollars a volume, so they're they're a little pricey. But he he just took he just looked at it and Joe sort of looked at it and he started talking to him about oh yeah we just came out with this and then we have volume two over here and he picked it up and. Uh, so, you know, I, at that point, I felt obligated to buy those for him. So I started walking over. He was like, oh, those two, by the way, those are cons. Don't worry about it. Uh, that was nice. Which was really, really cool of him because that's, that's $90 really cool. worth of books. He, he just, you know, comped us with. But then I felt kind of guilty because we went over to buy something, and I'm getting $90 worth of books free. So we ended up picking out a bunch of trades and buying them while we were there. But just like the nicest guys you could possibly imagine at that particular uh, company. Well, that also makes a big impression on kids too, you know, when when they get stuff like that. So he's he's fostering a loyal customer for the future too. I used to get a bunch of Oni Press was with all the Jay and Silent Bob comics were coming out under and those those were fantastic. And uh the clerks related all the early Kevin Smith comics. I sort of, I, I, I sort of wasn't as into Kevin Smith's superhero y stuff that he would do. Yeah, but I love those Jay I love those Jay and Silent Bob comics. They were completely mm-hmm. wrong and Well, if if I'm not completely wrong, one of the reasons why he got the Green Arrow gig is that Bob Shrek went over to uh D C from Oni. And uh and was the editor on Green Arrow and then on Batman. Um, which is really funny because I have the uh, three-issue adaptation of the Rocky Horror Picture Show that Caliber Press did. There's a whole thing in the back written by Bob Shrek about his Rocky Horror experiences. That was kind of weird to see. You know, from 1990, knowing this is the guy that's going to be like in charge of Batman during war games. So. <laughs> I All right, to I'm the... going to change the subject again for just a quick second. Uh, Clark Gregg is married to Jennifer Grey. Oh, okay. Of Dirty Dancing and Joel Grey's daughter fame. Yeah, nobody puts baby in the corner. Yeah. Except for, except <laughs> well, for after uh, seeing Coulson. Well, after seeing like, take <laughs> out those Coulson puts like, baby in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't going to let anybody put baby in the corner. So. Wait, so his father-in-law is Chun. That, that's yes, cool. yes. <laughs> Very good. That's pretty damn cool. Wow. I'm so the, proud uh, of nerds these days. Nerds are nerds are are like all the nerds are marrying like these hot, intelligent, successful women. You want My someone favorite, to appreciate uh, you marrying nerd? They'll just be glad you're talking to them. Just practically. as long, yeah, yeah. All you have to do is differentiate the the washers from the non washers, and you're good, yeah, ladies. Exactly. <laughs> Do they smell Elf. like ass? That makes no. it easy, yeah. <laughs> go with it. Jarvis is married to Jennifer Connolly, so there you go. My my favorite Phil Coulson moment is when uh, Thor referred to him as son of Cole. <laughs> that makes sense. I don't know. I'm sorry. That the the a funny thing happened on the way to Thor's hammer. That is great. Yeah, he that was that was annihilates really two guys in a convenience store. <laughs> I can't look at those donuts anymore either. That's the that's the hard part. Without laughing now, I, I went can't to the, go to a um, Roxon gas station. Yes. 
Sorry. I went to the Shout Factory booth this year because I made the switch this year from DVD to Blu-ray, and I've been, like, obsessed. But Shout Factory, they're going to put out They Live, and they have Halloween 2 and 3. This year they had, um, fairly last minute, they had Joel from Mystery Science Theater, but they also had the the two robot replicas with, with him. So um, he was only there for an hour, so I didn't get to get anything signed. But when he was doing an interview, I caught a picture of him and the two robots, and it was perfect. I, I only wish I, I could have talked. You posted that on Facebook, right? Yeah. I saw that. Yeah, that was very good. That, I mean, you know, I was a kid when that came out, but that always made me laugh. And I You're a kid just... now, my friend. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> See, I grew up where cable was just, you know, repeats of older things, so that's how I know most of this stuff. And I have an aunt who had a comic collection, and she gave me a lot of stuff, so I'm, like, more familiar with things than I should be. So, like, in my, in my head, I'm, like, 40 well, that's why. that's why us old folks are so bitter and jealous of, of younger folks, because... You guys get to you guys got to get to catch up with you know you when when you had TV you could just catch up on everything that was good you know it was like oh Twilight Zones oh look Sci-Fi is running Twilight Zones for twenty four hours now and catch up uh, with old Twilight Zones from the fifties you know and stuff like that when when we were kids you just had to pray for a TV station that would be showing it at eleven thirty at night usually or whatever so we're it's it's just you're just hearing bitterness. <laughs> That's all. Last last year I saw something cool at New York Comic Con. There's this this company they do like toys and stuff and they were doing Twilight Zone stuff. So you know they had the talkie Tina doll and they had like the the little dolls from Five Characters in Search of an Exit. But I saw they had the the replica from from my favorite one Nick of Time with William Shatner with the Devil Machine uh-huh. where you put in the penny. Oh, I, I saw have that, that. I have that sitting right in front of me, Jose. Really? That, that was the first one my father ever showed me, and that is my favorite one to this day. And when I saw that, I I, I couldn't believe it. We, we, I was like, "Devil so Machine, right in front of you." I it's, it's, it's sitting on it's sitting on the shelf uh, of the wall unit that's right next to my computer desk. I'm uh, a... I, I have three three things on that shelf. I have the the uh, the ask a question from the William Shatner episode. I have the sideshow uh, replica of the uh, Gremlin from the other William Shatner episode. Ooh. And the sideshow uh, to serve man guy. Ooh, I'm gonna trump. Oh. I'm gonna trump you both though. And the summer when we went to Disney World, when we were going on the Twilight Zone ride, we were in the one room, and of course we were with Scott Gardner. So he's like, "Here's where all the props are from the original Twilight Zone." He's like, "Look up there, and there was the Devil Machine, just wow. sit, just sitting up on a shelf in one of the little you know staging rooms that you walk through." It was a room where you watched the like computer generated simulation I of Rod Serling. <laughs> and and, and think, Yeah, there it was. I think seeing that and seeing the Orin from the Neverending Story, like the two things that would just stop me in my tracks. If I would ever uh, I mean, I've seen one of them already, but if I were to see those, I just I would just stop you, and just look at them. You wanna you want something that'll stop you in your tracks. I uh um, we in Atlanta, we have the Center for Puppetry Arts, and it's a big thing where they have performances and stuff. And a friend of mine from high school was doing is getting his PhD in theater, so he had to study a little bit of puppetry uh, to get that. And so I went with him when he came down here to to go there. And there's a museum attached to it. And I turned a corner, and I don't even like the movie. But there is something about turning a corner and becoming face to face with a full grown Skeksy. Ooh. Oh, 
Where I'm just like, and it's it's your size, so then you have to think that if you were a little kid seeing this, it would probably scare the living the shit out of you. Jesus out of you, yeah. But, uh, and I'm not even really a big Dark Crystal fan on a story level. Visually, it's a stunning film. Yeah. I just don't really like, you know, the characters. So, but seeing that was just like, <sighs> so, yeah, I can relate. That was kind of a Skeksis-like sound, actually. <laughs> Half sketches, mm. half um. Mm. Mm. Yeah, they were all like foppish gay characters. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Oh, oh dear! How saucy! <laughs> yeah. When I when I was uh, walking the floor, somebody had a never like it was four people um in a never-ending story costume. So you had an Atreyu, you had a uh, childlike empress, you had somebody dressed like the nothing, which was just like, it looked like a ring wraith from Lord of the Rings. But this guy, their buddy had a Falcor costume that was basically a Chinese dragon. And like, I went up to them and I was like eight years old again, just, just begging them for their picture. They're like, go for it. In case you can't tell, that's my, one of my favorite movies. So to see that just like stopped me in my tracks. But Paul, like what, what was like some of the most creative costumes you saw at the convention? The, the most visually, you know, stop you in your tracks just because it was so wild. Uh, I'm sure you saw at some point the guy from Prometheus. Yes, the engineer. Yeah. Oh, I mean, wow. That, and I mean, I haven't even seen Prometheus yet. Somebody had to tell me what the costume was. But the guy was huge. I mean, he was, you know, some sort of bodybuilder or no, whatever. What, and he's what, walking yeah, around was, like in a big diaper. Was he, he okay? So he was a diaper version. He wasn't in like the spacesuit version. No, no, it was just a, the diaper. And he was so like, it looked like he just the only prosthetic he had on him was a ball cap and maybe the brow piece, and the rest was like pretty much him, just Ooh, in paint. Jesus. I, I at first I thought it was Doctor Manhattan. I didn't Same, yeah, realize. me too. And then somebody said, "No, no, that's from Prometheus." But that that I mean, he he. That costume was just outrageous. Uh, there, was, there was this one thing, and I have no idea what they were supposed to be. Just these two very large, hairy guys. One was green and one was, like, purple. Yes, I know I, what you're talking about, and I don't know what they are either. I have no idea what they were, but, but I, I, you know, I, I have a thing with my son when he goes with me that I tell him, I don't care who it is, if there's a cosplayer that I think looks cool, if I tell you to, you go over and you stand next to him when I want a picture. And and I sent him over with those two guys, and they started like like hovering over him and like kind of pawing at him, and it was just like he was cracking up laughing. And, and they were like really elaborate costumes. Last uh, year, some guy went dressed up as Solomon Grundy, and what he was doing is he was just going up behind people randomly, either jumping in their pictures or just scaring the hell out of them. But that costume looked exactly like Grundy. That's pretty cool. And if I'm right, this year he went dressed as Killer Croc from Arkham Asylum because he was on stilts too. But he had the collar around his neck. He had the, the full facial prosthetic. There was a Green Goblin who – he did the mask just like, like, like a Ditko mask, but it was all prosthetic. So when he talked, the makeup moved with him, and he did the voice too. I, I, yeah, I would, I would love to see a really good Green Goblin costume considering like you know what they did in the movie and how I didn't really care for that. I think the the one that got my attention the most was um, steampunk Hawkman and Hawkgirl. So they did like like Indiana Jones costumes. You know, they had leather jacket and the pants, but they had the Hawkgirl and Hawkman masks, and they had the wings. So they said, you know, can we get a picture? 
So they pull out their maces, and suddenly they hit the Hawk logo on their chest. The metal wings they had clanged out and spread out, and it was very impressive. Wow. The, like, the other said, one that, that looked really, really good, I thought, was... Did you see the Captain America guy from the movie who yes. actually had the dancers with him? Yes. Yes, I did. That was really cool. Oh, from, like, I, when he would do the stage propaganda pieces? Yes. Did they have, he, did they he, have routines worked dressed, out and stuff? Well, I, I, they were just posing, like, in masks, but... Uh, he he was dressed like you know, the real Captain America costume, not the stage show Captain America costume. Mm-hmm. But they were all, you know, he I'm trying to look to see if I could find it to send over to you guys, but uh you know, they they were all pretty much the the dancers with him and he must have had I don't know, six or seven of them, of them with him. So, you know, it was pretty impressive when they were all lined up that way. There was um a costume I saw, it was an elderly gentleman and I don't know if anybody else knew it. But he was dressed up like Tobar the Eighth Man from the cartoon, like way back in the day. And I know because my dad and my uncle used, used to like just rave about it. So when I saw it. I took a picture. He was so stunned somebody knew who he was, and he was just the sweetest old man to like actually engaging a conversation with him. Like, it it it's one thing to take a picture with somebody, but to actually talk to them about their costume, I found this year was really really good. You know, it, it's kind of funny when you find those moments. That when when I was at the Superman celebration back in two thousand eight, uh, somebody was dressed as Captain Avenger. Oh wow! For um, God, I can't even remember the name of the movie now. It was just on the tip of my tongue with John Something Ritter. Hero, oh crap! Uh, Once a large. hero, hero, hero at large. large. Yes. Uh, which it's a great movie. If you've never seen it, you really need to see it. Uh, but I walked up to him and I'm like. I bet like half the people don't know who you are, and and he he seemed he, it was like one of those moments where somebody's actually kind of surprised, like you were saying that they knew who you were at. Well, I think I think sort of the greatest American hero got its sort of got its took its cue from that movie, it, like got the idea for it from the movie. You know, normal guy who gets superpowers and sort of overshadowed it. Although that movie, he didn't have superpowers; he was just a guy in a costume, but. That was a fantastic. I I have to take my hat off to any of the people who are in costume because it's uh, from going to Star Wars Celebration and watching Dave Atterbury and his wife and like afterwards coming back and watching them get out of their their Mandalorian costumes. And, you know, you're looking at somebody who looks like they I think I think actually they both run marathons. And they looked like they were, you know, hung out to dry. They were, you know, they'd been sweating in those things all day. God forbid you have to go to the bathroom <laughs> in half the in half those costumes. So those guys who run around all day, that's quite a commitment for your for your cosplay. So I'm always very impressed with that aspect of it, especially the people, especially the people with the just complex things you know what whenever i see people in an alien outfit you know from the aliens movie outfit those that's that's a commitment i think um this year i mean the costumes were amazing but like the variety of things that they were selling this year like really surprised me because i know um the lego booth that they had they had uh they were introducing the new ninja turtles lego line which i thought was kind of cool right they have other tables that have that sell like Lego minifigures, but they have people who are doing customs of them now. 
So uh, I bought for my sister a custom Lego 11th Doctor from Doctor Who. You had people doing Masters of the Universe Lego customs. I saw, uh, I Thundercats. saw the picture of that on Facebook of the Doctor was, Who. Oh, that was the one that I bought. There was one I bought oh, for my sister okay. before. And, just, um, and they were relatively inexpensive, like maybe 3 4 to $8 tops. Uh, they had, you know, uh, this is going to really sound weird. Sunday we took my cousin. My cousin's like 14, so he's, he's still learning about things. We went to like kind of an anime area. They had Japanese sex pillows. If you don't know what Japanese sex pillow is, it's it's a it's a regular pillowcase, right? And it's it's horizontal kind of. No, it's vertical. And they have a, a picture of an anime character, and then they have the skirt. And you lift the skirt up, and they have a little, you know, the bottom insert of the section. The bottom of yeah. like a sex doll, a blow-up doll type thing in the bottom of it. Oh dear. So now the kid's 14, so he he's not used to this. You would have thought somebody beat up his childhood icon in front of him, the face that he had when he walked away from that booth. <laughs> really? I, I would have so been bad. I would have been looking at my wallet going 14, I would have been like, how much do I have? <laughs> he could have been lying because he had me and my sister there with him, but just it, it was the most funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life, seeing that kid walk away from that booth. I, I didn't think it was going to be that X-rated. I thought it was going to be like those big, long long pillows i remember one of our roommates got it and, and uh my other roommate and i used to tease him and call it his girlfriend pillow because it's one of those pillows that you can just sort of like lean your whole body against or like oh you got That's a girlfriend much what it pillow. Was. yeah but it, this one had it, it actual had, girlfriend parts on it i didn't have parts it just had like kind of like a little receptacle <laughs> slit That's oh. like, oh, I, I feel bad saying that too it's okay it's, it's you can say that on our show <laughs> this might be the first time that someone said slit on our show, though. There you go. But um, the, so the, be it. <laughs> Paul, how did you do with uh, bins and stuff, like in terms of deals, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, well, at this point, I don't really do a lot of back issue buying. Uh, most of my back issue stuff is in trade at this point because I just mm-hmm. don't really have the storage space for it. Uh so I, I didn't do a lot. I just I kind of walked around. I checked it out, but I didn't really dive in too much. You know, most, I, what I spent, I, I bought a few trades for my son, and then I bought a couple of uh, sketches. But that was pretty much my spending while I was there. I had how did, how did you do? Well, I had a budget of like four hundred, but because you know I'm not buying as much. Like Thursday was was assigned for getting things signed, so when when I had my family with me on the weekend, they wouldn't be stuck in line, you know, just waiting for me to get something signed. So I waited till Sunday to buy things, and I must have spent like maybe you know, two hundred tops or so. And I bought I mostly hit like dollar bins, or I bought food for everybody. So I did well, but I'm not really looking for as much back issues as I used to be because I'm I'm pretty much almost caught up now. The you food, have everything. Food probably costs more than anything else. The food, food was the biggest because um, we it, it's when you go to New York Comic Con, there's a lot of places to eat around there. The only problem is everybody's trying to get to a place that's not crowded, so they make it more crowded. So half the time you end up eating in the Javits Center just for the convenience, but you're paying a lot of money for that convenience. And when when you go down to the level where they have the food court. Uh, the biggest, the most popular item is they have a you know pizza place. Yes, I went there. The, the line is very long for the pizza, so I didn't want to wait for that. So we went over. They had like a uh, like a Jewish deli. So I said, you know, okay, it's fine. I'll have a pastrami sandwich. 
it was possibly the worst slab of meat <laughs> that I've ever encountered in my life. I, I couldn't eat. I, I tried to take one bite. Uh, it was fatty. It was chewy. I just threw the whole thing out. It, it was, was probably one of the more expensive cuts of meat you've eaten, too, for... For, for what I got, certainly. Yeah. Uh, it was dollar for you know for the amount of pleasure i got for from it right for I mean, the equivalent just, uh, of something you might get at a convenient or a gas station on the thruway or something i i would i i would say at best oh it was it was terrible so you know it it, it is best if you either bring something with you or you walk out and walk a couple of blocks away and go to some place that you know you can uh sit down and have something yeah i was gonna say it's 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 that's why I'd like to like like if I do it I would like to like spend like I would like in the morning early in the morning like go to Chinatown and that's take, a good take, distance from there right right I'll, but you know for me the novelty of New York I'll I'll go from one end of New York City to the other because it's a novelty to me so it's like I'm on the subway wee this is awesome <laughs> so you know so but uh, yay now I'm in Chinatown and. You know, but I'll go to Chinatown with ten dollars and stock up on food for the day. You know, and eat like a king all day, and or so. You know, so there, there's all sorts of that. That's the last last time I was in Manhattan. I discovered that if you look around, it doesn't have to be ex- insanely expensive to eat. You can get like no. cheap, good food. I ate at a sushi place that I thought was, I couldn't believe I was eating sushi in downtown Manhattan on on my you know pauper budget we're also seeing a lot of dollar pizzas around the convention center too which um because most dollar pizza is usually just like crappy pizza under a heat lamp right these places i guess either they knew the convention was coming or so they brought out the freshest pizza and for a dollar you could not beat that at all you can't get anything for a dollar i mean then they do that for a dollar And it, they were also, I mean, there were hot dog stands outside of the yeah. convention that you could go to, and that's you're better off with that than certainly that pastrami crap I had. Like, did, did, did you really... uh, did you go to any other creators while you were there? Um, I went to two because of the book. I don't know if you want me to talk about that, like that part now, or do you want to save it for like when yeah, I actually talk that about had it? the perfect segue. I was that was going to be my question to lead into into your book was whether you brought the book along to to shop around or to give to people i had some physical copies printed to hand out to specific people so like people who like the good thing about living in today's age is you know through twitter or going to conventions is that you get to talk to people you normally don't get to talk to or you've always wanted to meet but you never had a chance so one of the people i was most excited to meet throughout the whole convention and i found out last minute was jm dematteis or dematteis you know Ever since I was like eight years old, I've been reading Mr. Miracle or Justice League or Justice League Europe because I I love the comedy there. You know, that's a pretty big influence on me. So I've been talking to him on Twitter all summer, and he's actually been really helpful in terms of, you know, what you should do with story or, you know, how you should approach marketing or so. To where I asked him in September, you know, if you're going to be there, would it be okay if I gave you a copy of my book? He said, sure, bring it on. So Saturday I go to his table where he said he was going to be on on Twitter. They said, he's doing an interview, just give him about 30 minutes. So I waited, and it was like 40 minutes. I didn't mind, so I got to his table. There was a guy ahead of me. This son of a bitch had 40 books for this guy to sign. He tells him, look, um, 
let me just sign some of these. It's kind of like what Michael said. Let me sign some of these, and, you know, um, there's somebody behind you. Let me just, you know, take care of him real quick. So I introduced myself. I handed him a copy of the book, and he was stunned by it. But I got to talk to him about five or ten minutes, you know, tell him, you know, he's been a really big influence. And to this guy's credit, he was just so humble. Because me, I was acting like that eight-year-old kid who read his books all the time. And he was, like, loving it. So I asked him for a picture. He took it. He shook my hand. He said, thank you for your book. When I read it, I'll let you know. I told him it was a pleasure to meet him. He said, no, it's a pleasure to meet you. That was like my best experience about the whole convention. That's great. Now, this book we're talking about is called Underground Adventures Volume 1, which yes. guarantees a volume 2, or at least uh, pretty much uh, obligates you to a volume 2. No, there is a volume 2. It's a book that I – how do I explain this? I'm, I, I really do like writing, but to cut my teeth when I was in college, I started doing short stories. So what I decided to do was, for my first book, let me take all the stories that I really enjoyed doing in college and put them together in anthology. Because for me, one of my favorite writing forms is short story anthology, or anthologies in general. I love, you know, Creepshow, Tales from the Crypt, Amazing Stories, those TV shows I grew up with. I wanted to do something like that. So I took four stories I did, put them together in a book... And I didn't know exactly how I was going to do it. Was I going to do it a printed version or what's becoming popular right now, an ebook version? A friend of mine suggested do both. That sounds great, but where are you going to do this stuff at? I, I have no publishing experience whatsoever. So what I did was, how do I explain this? Do you guys know um, how to convert documents to PDFs or so? Yes. Yes. I didn't. I had no idea how to do it. So somebody recommended, okay, here's what you do. There's a site called lulu.com. You're just going to give them the document. You're going to give them the cover image. They're going to put it together for you. They're going to bind it, and they're going to send it to you, to your liking. It's made to order, so you're probably going to have to order a lot of copies. And if you want printed versions, this is a place to go. If you want to do Amazon, they have Kindle Direct Publishing. You upload the photo, you upload the document, and you can sell it as an ebook for a certain price. The only problem is formatting. You have to format it a certain way. So I looked up on YouTube how to format an ebook, and there's these there's multiple tutorials of how to do it. But if you want to look like a book book, you have to be very specific. That's the only drawback with these things. Now it's the uh, same as like making a. T I found that out making the two true freaks t-shirt that the artwork that you know for the I, I was feeling pretty hot shit doing my photoshop and stuff and i'm like oh, i'll send you a jpeg and they got it and they're like well no it actually has to be this kind of file and it has to be this big and you have to use a different kind you can't use photoshop for the text because it doesn't format it the right way and it turned out to be very complicated i'm sure it's amazingly complicated. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, even, even doing simple things as pushing the tab button on your keyboard can ruin the formatting of how it's going to look. And because mm -hmm. I'm giving certain copies to people, I want to, this to look as best as possible. Um, the cover is done by Mike Dimayuga. He's the artist responsible for doing those photos a couple years ago of Back to the Future and Doctor Who, those mashups of Marty McFly and the Tenth Doctor. This was the first time I ever had a commission done, and the the, the whole process was just so amazing. You I must told be exactly, very happy with the results. I'm I'm sure you're very. It's a great pulpy looking cover. 
Yes, I'm very much inspired by Pulp Stuff too, and I wanted it to look something like if you were in 1930 or 1940 and you went to a newsstand, you were going to pick this up. So it has two characters on it. Uh, one on the left, he has a fedora and a trench coat. He's a reporter character named Scoop McGann. And the one on the right is a very kind of adventurer-looking character. His name is Joshua Stern. Behind them is a... It's hard to tell. It's a very kind of steampunky character. That's supposed to be spring Jack. And it's actually taken from a Brave and the Bold cover that one of the first comics I ever had is based on that image. Because I love that image. But it looks very pulpy, too. So I wanted to have that flair, flair to it, too. Okay. How many stories are in? Um, I'm trying to think what else um every story has i try to do a different genre so the first one is about uh this guy who watches his neighbor across the street through binoculars and is convinced he's a world war ii spy like through various things in the story he just has it in his head that this guy is a spy and he keeps kind of you know trying to stay in shadows spying him but one day he gets caught and the whole story is what happens after this guy sees him the second one's about a guy who goes into an apartment that's haunted but this guy's kind of like a a, um, a Constantine Harry Dresden type character where he's he's used to using magic. So he's trying to figure out why is this ghost here. The third one's about uh, a thief named Spencer Davis who gets you know he gets an opportunity of a lifetime, but it's not what it seems. And the last one is the story from the cover, which involves somehow Spring Hill Jack is in 1930s New York, and they're trying to figure out how is this guy here. The reporter is doing a series of the murders that this guy's doing while the other guy's trying to investigate Spring Hill Jack himself, and it's how they come together on this case. That took a lot of breath to say. Oh my god. <laughs> that sounds great. I'm definitely gonna I'm definitely gonna be reading it. I'm embarrassed I to say I haven't read it. Thing, so it. I'm sorry. I, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't I haven't read it yet because I've had a copy. you sent me a copy a while when it when it first came out. It's 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 yeah, it's so hard to find the time, and then plus on and it's, but I'm sure I'm gonna like plow through it in in one sitting. I'm not used to reading stuff on the computer. Oh, it, it's fine. I mean, I know with you know, it, it came out the weekend after New York Comic Con, so it's tied to New York Comic Con. Mm -hmm. But you know, the storm did happen, so I do understand that. And given that it's November, about to hit Christmas, you know, it is it is hard for people to pick up new things when they have to all these responsibilities. But if you are interested in getting it... Well, I was just going to say, now we're coming yeah. into Christmas time. <laughs> so, yeah, it's about time people start buying copies of this. Well, I mean, I'm happy that I got it out. I mean, if people buy it, that's awesome for me. I'm, I'm very happy. But for me, the biggest thing was, you know, just, just getting it done, having something published. Because one of the reasons I did this goes into the second person that I gave a copy to at New York Comic Con. And that's Joe Kelly. I met him exactly 10 years ago at a comic convention in Madison Square Garden. And, you know, I went to his table randomly. You know, I met him, started talking to him. He gave me his card. He said, hey, email me if you want. I actually took him up on that offer. And for 10 years, I've been talking to him you know, just through emails saying, you know, I I'm interested in writing. And he's been so gracious with his time with just small advice like write a paragraph every day or just keep a writing pattern going that I wanted to give him a physical copy with something written to him. Not only to show him I did it, but as a thank you to say, you know, thank you for giving me your time. I know you didn't have to do that. I know you're busy with comics and Ben 10 and Generator Rex, but I always appreciated what you did for me. So I gave him a copy. That was the second best thing I did at that convention. 
Well, so now when when people get a so people can obviously they can buy an ebook version of this, but they can buy a physical copy of it too, right? Yes, on Amazon the the ebook is a dollar. You just uh, type in Underground Adventures Volume One. If you like a physical copy, it's on Lulu.com. You type in the search engine Underground Adventures Volume One, and it's about seven ninety nine, maybe like you know ten or eleven with tax. Um, but you will get a, a, a physical copy of it, and the physical copy is different in the table of contents than it is with the ebook because the table of contents in the physical one has a little more of my humor and a description of the stories as opposed to a clickable link in the ebook. Oh, okay. I try to make it a little bit different, at least you know, give some people a bang for their buck if they're okay. going to spend their hard-earned money on this. Well, I've I've done stuff with Cafe Press too, where it's a sort of similar thing where you send them the artwork and they'll do T-shirts for you. But um, that that price for a for a book through through Lulu that's really reasonable for something where they'll where they're printing it out one at a time like that. That's uh that's a really good price. Usually it's for for something it's almost like a custom made thing. So usually like a lot of that stuff is like twenty twenty five dollars. I know, but it, it's uh, somebody brought to my attention. It, if you're not well known, it's asking a lot to ask for maybe ten dollars or so. I, especially with the, the reason the ebook is priced at a dollar is because this is my first time. Nobody really knows what I've done. It, to ask people to spend that much money on someone they don't know and something that's not really you know available out there like like an anthology, it's easier just to say you know here's a dollar. You can get all this content. Just read and enjoy. Well, the good the good thing about it is you're not trying to make up the money it costs to print out a thousand cop you know ten thousand copies of the book to sell to sell with a with an ebook. You know what I mean? There's there's yeah. not all that overhead to to pay for. And I mean that's 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 a I mean for for a whole book a dollar nobody's gonna people people pay that much for a single MP3. So. I think it's a great strategy too. I think yeah. the, you know you you want to get Definitely. the exposure. I mean, it's it's, it, it's fun for me. I just wanted to get something physically done because everybody says you know they're going to do this, they're going to do that. I wanted to say okay, even if I don't, if I'm not able to keep up with what I want to do, I can say I got one out at least. Yeah, well, no, I think I think that that's one of those things where you know. If you didn't do it, you'd always kind of regret that you didn't. So, well, printing, you know, that's that. Uh, printing one book to me is still like like this awesome achievement. I'm, I, you know, I only know like I'm trying to think of who I've known in my life who've written a book. You know, people I've known, and one of them, Scott Gardner, he wrote his book. I don't know what he did with it. I think he threw it out one time, but he wrote a really <laughs> good book. I knew a girl who wrote a, a novel. And she threw it away because her cat died on top of it, and she was Aww. so so sad about it that she threw the whole book away. She spent five years writing it, and uh, and I got and I know a lot of people have written short stories. I know Mike Poteet, published Star Trek author, but uh, I mean that's always something I've wanted to do is like write a book beginning and I've never you know, I I I just don't have the 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 patience to to do it so i'm always impressed when somebody can actually go through that process and complete it and have it done i mean that must be such a great feeling when um when you finally got all the work done and you got your first 
bound copy of it in the mail. That must have been a great thing to open that up and see, you know, the cover of your book. It, it was until I realized I put a typo on the cover and I had ordered oh, five man. to hand out to people. <laughs> and the worst part is I, I've handed out four. The fifth one's going to my English professor. He uh, He's not going to like that typo. <laughs> They would, but, uh, you know, come up with come up with some kind of reason to say that you did that intentionally. Oh no, I already bullshitted him and told him that the uh, the artist English isn't his first language, so I just put the blame on the artist. There you go. <laughs> I just get a little sticker with the letter T on it <laughs> and just stick it over the Y. <laughs> yes, because the typo is 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 T O, right? It's supposed to be T O. It was put Y O and I said, Oh no. And just the worst go to part your is professor. This... That's how the kids talk these days. Have your deal with it. Yo, He's have your deal with it. it. <laughs> worst part is this. This is the English professor who who kept me in school. He wrote me the letter of recommendation that got me my scholarship to keep me in school. So I'm like, oh no. I don't think he's gonna care either way. But that's the last person that's gonna get. Um, out of the five I ordered, I have to give him a copy because along with Joe Kelly, he helped me out. Like, there's a dedication to him in the book as well, and. To, to give it to somebody who really helped me out over the years is going to be like the best feeling ever. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? I, I bet you from his perspective, it's going to be one of the best feelings yeah. too, because there's nothing quite like helping somebody and then seeing them succeed. Seeing them. I, I can only imagine. I, I'm I'm very nervous about it, but I like hopefully by next week or the week after, I'll be able to hand him the copy of the book, and we'll see where it goes from there. In sort of artistic terms, that's almost analogous to like having children, you know, when when you do something or you you teach somebody something and they go on to actually actually do it, you know, and you know yeah. that you had a part in you, you had a part in that at, at some point. It's so. it, it it's been great and the response has been overwhelming. More people than I thought actually bought some, so it's there's like no words for it. It's like it's really is overwhelming. Now, if you can, I, just... I, like I said, I promise I'm going I'm to read it, and I'm going to give you my personal review when I'm done reading it, which I can only imagine is going to be very positive. I'll say this: if anybody buys it, you, please write a review on Amazon because I'm eager to see what people think. Now, if you can only come up with uh, some story that appeals to twelve-year-old girls and lonely housewives at the same time. That's can, the market, you dude. Can, yeah, right. then, you, then you can write your own check. You get a blank check for that. Yeah, but I have, like, for me, most of my stories be in self-respect. <laughs> no, that too, but most of my stuff, like, has, like, you know, humor and, like, a lot of profanity, and I think that would turn them off and doesn't help that right now I'm, like, a slice of craft cheese single. Oh, well, you know, if this profanity, I don't know if I can read it. I don't know. <laughs> you know, you, well, you go for the Fifty Shades of Grey market. They can take a little profanity. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. And I don't know if Fifty Grade, Shades of Grey was meant to be humorous, but uh, or the same with Twilight. It's, they're, they're both pretty humorous in their, in their own way. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey is humorous if you watch that clip online where it's Gilbert Gottfried reading the audiobook. Yes. That is hilarious. Yes. It reminds me of the Saturday Night Live skit where they had Danny DeVito playing... Al Goldstein. I know who you're talking about. Oh my de- god! Reading was... Madonna's sex. That was. And when I say horny, I mean horny. And then there's this picture. <laughs> this is fucking. Well, Al Goldstein's one of my favorite people in the entire 
world anyway. So to so to see that was, it actually you, you, you I don't know Jose if you were around and old enough to. No, to I know who he is. I'm not proud to say how I know who he is, but I know who. He is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, anytime I, I had a friend who was from Brooklyn And anytime he'd go home to visit his family He'd be like, you want anything from New York City? And it's like, yep, pick me up the latest issue of Screw magazine <laughs> Gotta see what's going on in Screw One of the most horribly tasteless <laughs> But Al Goldstein's pure Pure New York City decadence I, lo- I, I love him I've just seen him on TV, but anything else is a bold-faced lie. Oh, that's right, because you guys had, what was it, Midnight Blue or whatever? It was He had, like, a public oh, yeah. access show for years. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I've heard of it. <laughs> I've heard people talking about that, too. Uh, I wish I grew up in New York City, man. I would have totally appreciated your public access that you had there. All our public access ever was were videotapes of church services. <laughs> no Al Goldstein there. Why not? I don't know. Yeah, no reason at all. I don't think anybody in my hometown had even heard about anybody with the last name that ended in Steen. <laughs> but uh, that man, we can we can tangent. Yeah, I, I'm I trying wanna... to get the attention off of me now. So, <laughs> well, I, I hate to take attention Why? off Jose's book, but I wanted to hit on a couple of other things and Comic Con if I can just. Oh sure, please do, please do. Because uh, the first day I went there, or the the first day when I went down to Artist Alley, I got into a conversation with Billy Tucci, Ooh. who's a really nice guy. And that night I went home and I was on Facebook and I went to friend Billy, and. He, you know, was one of these people. He already has five thousand friends, so you couldn't friend him. And so I just sent him a message, just saying, you know, it was a pleasure meeting meeting you. I enjoyed talking to you, uh, and and that was it. And then when I got up in the morning, I had a friend request from Billy Tucci, which I thought was pretty cool. So I ended up buying a uh, a, a sketch of Sergeant Rock from him in the second day. Uh, and I also spent some time talking to Rich Buckler, who is oh, one of my so nice. all time favorite artists. I'm sorry, what was that? I'm saying he's so nice. Like I, I just remember my experience with him. And Yeah, go ahead. Well, you know, I had met Rich Buckler back in the 70s at a Comic-Con. And at the time, I foolishly had a copy of Captain America 100, uh, which was the first issue of his ongoing series when it switched over from uh, Tales of Suspense. And for some stupid reason, I guess because I was, whatever, 13, 14 years old, I thought it would be good to have that as my comic that I would have different people autograph. And I had Stan Lee autograph it at the con I was at. And then I saw Rich Buckler and I had him autograph it. But when I gave it to him to have him autograph it, he looked at it. He looked at me and he said, you know, I I didn't work on this book at all. And I said something about, you know, that's fine. Don't worry about it. I just want the signature. So when I saw him at Comic-Con this year, I told him that story, and, and he looked just like appalled that that had happened. <laughs> and, and what it was was he, he was really bothered by the fact that he thought he was rude to me 35 years ago. And it, it really bothered him. And I was like, no, 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 you, you were being a gentleman. You just didn't, 
you know, you were trying basically trying to let me know it didn't make sense to have you sign it, but <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you were you just were trying to figure out what was going on here. Yeah, <laughs> you were trying to figure out why I was an idiot <laughs> and having you sign this as opposed to something you actually worked on. Uh, and, but then, you know, I, I ended up getting a uh, thing sketch out of him, uh, which came out really cool. And, and like I said, it was really nice to actually see them actually drawing the pictures. And I took a couple of pictures of them drawing the pictures. And I didn't realize till afterwards that the cameras got the little video mode. I should have actually taken video of them drawing the pictures, which would have been cool. Yeah, that's always but, fascinating to watch. Yeah, it really is. Uh, especially when it's somebody who's who's work that you you know you've really admired over the years to to see them you know drawing it from scratch. Uh, so what what I did was I knew I was only going to be there the two days because that's the weekend I do my cancer walk on Sunday. So I knew I wasn't going over the weekend, and I reached out to a couple of our, our friends who I knew were going to be there, and I said, you know. Why don't you tell me your experiences so this way I'll include them in the show. So I did get a, a really nice two-page response from this guy, Jose Rivera, which I'm not going to bother to read because I've already kind of heard that. Hmm? Nothing. <laughs> but I got two other guys. Uh, Dario Gonzalez was there on Saturday, and he gave me his, uh, his, his version of what went on. And he said, hey, Paul, me and my con buddy went on Saturday. Having knee surgery on Tuesday, I should have brought my cane, but thought I would look silly. However, my pal pointed out that we were in line next to a guy in a crappy Moon Knight costume and a fat daredevil, so I should have brought my cane. It seems Comic-Con is less about comics and more about comic culture, which is fine with me. It seems like the comic book section gets smaller every year, but where else can a, can a grown man look at a three, $399 C-3PO costume and wish he had all the money in the world? It's about kids who love clones and their dads who love Jedis. People who love to dress up great and be seen, and people who love to dress up not so nice and be seen. It's where, it's where fat Spider-Man can talk to a chick in a walking TARDIS with nice legs flanked by kids in anime costumes that I could never hope to understand or pronounce. As you walk in, you're overwhelmed, as you walk in, you're overwhelmed by toys that you had as a kid or wish you had. I took flyers from everyone who was starting up a comic, and I hate walking away without buying their work and can feel their disappointment. I look around and I see people of all ages sharing a common culture. Yes, it can get crowded, but it's all part of the fun. I love seeing all the kids and hope that my son, who's three, will be joining me soon. My pal and I always finish off the con by going to our favorite Irish pub around the corner for beers and a burger and discuss... How to hide for my wife the fact that I bought a $299 custom lightsaber. Must have been the painkillers. My pal says, just whack her, whack her with it and maybe she'll disappear a la Obi-Wan Kenobi. After many beers we talk, we try to get the Starfleet officers at the table across from us to pick up our tag, tab using the Jedi mind trick. It's time to head back to Queens and look forward to next year. Well, Paul, just some thoughts for you. Maybe we can catch a beer after the con. That was from Dario. Which that was I thought very was... well written. Yeah. That was excellent. And then uh, on Sunday, David Pascarella went, and he says, Hi, Paul. I went, I, I went today, Sunday, with my nine-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Teresa. Having never gone to any kind of con, it was a baptism in fire. We drove into Manhattan from Staten Island, parked, and got to the Javits Center about 9.15 a.m. 
We had to wait in a long line until about 9.50 when they let us in. It was mobbed. I knew, I, I knew it was going to be crowded, but it exceeded my expectations. We spent a lot of time at the DC exhibits and enjoyed the forthcoming figures in the DC Animated Universe line. Took a lot of pictures. We also spent a bit of time at the Lego section and the Hallmark section. I thought the Star Wars section would be bigger, but it was cool. We took a picture with Teresa standing as, standing as one of the scoundrels. After that, we wandered the floor. By about noon, Teresa started to tire out, so I didn't get to search the bins, which is what I really wanted to do. We did look at Artist Sally before we left. Before we left, we were going down to where the celebrities were. We decided to spring for meeting and getting an autograph from Princess Leia herself. We were the first ones online, but we had to wait an hour because she was out to lunch. Teresa, who was already tired and really wanted to go, was excellent and waited patiently. Carrie Fisher arrived about 1.10, and there was a large line behind us. She was very nice and appreciative that we came to see her. She signed a large color photo of her as Princess Leia in hot gear. She signed it to love Teresa and Amanda, the six-year-old who didn't come, Carrie Fisher. That was the best part of Comic-Con for me. Teresa also said that meeting Princess Leia was the best part. The worst part was waiting for Teresa to use the restroom. Next time, need some time to search for items. Sincerely, David. And that's, like I said, I'm not reading Jose's because we kind of got that fresh from him. But I really appreciate those guys sharing their experiences with me, or with us. And I got to tell you, as somebody who's brought my son with me the last three years, there is a lot of pleasure seeing them discover the things that you like and getting pleasure out of the things that you like. So I could definitely relate to what David was saying there. I, I agree, because, I mean, I went to my first convention when I was 18. So imagine being a kid just walking in and seeing everything that they have to offer. Because I know uh, it's most so kids... It's so great you know, to be a kid these days, actually. It's oh, hell yeah. awesome. When I was a kid, I mean, the comics weren't really cool. I mean, it was, it was you know, a bit of the 90s, so you had the X-Men vibe. But for the most part, you know, if you read comics, you weren't exactly all that popular. So to go to a place where it was not only accepted, but they have a variety of things for you to buy, it's like it, it, it's mind blowing. Yeah, and then she got to meet an idol of hers too, so that's even better. Mm. One one of my favorite things about this particular year was back in the seventies when I used to go. Uh, we had a, we had a group of us that went. Uh, my cousin Stephen and two of my best friends, Richie and Paul. We, we went together to many shows back in the 70s, you know, the hotel shows that they had then. And my friend Richie actually lives in Virginia now, but he came up to New York that weekend to, to do the cancer walk with me and my family. So he ended up coming to the con on Friday, and we, you know, we, we got to hang out together at a Comic-Con for like the first time in 35 years, which wow. was just such a great feeling. It must have been a totally different... Because I remember comic conventions when I was a kid were were a whole different thing. You know, they were they were more concentrated on on the sort of nerdier, comic-y aspect. They didn't have the budget behind them. You know, they didn't have the sheer amount of interest in them. So it was like this niche crowd. And they were really needed because it was the, 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 pretty much the only place you could go to, like, see a lot of different Star Trek stuff or actually meet anybody involved in it. But, yeah, now these days it's such an insane multimedia production and 
you know now now the crowds that go there well people used to dress up at conventions before but now it's become such a part of it that it's you know it, it takes on an almost three ring circus um aspect to it which is great you know it must be just unbelievable for for a kid to walk in and see those costumes and stuff like that must be just indelibly imprinting itself into their into their brains i know i know my son definitely gets a big kick out of it when you know he he enjoys telling his friends about the shows and everything and 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 i've seen like he's posted stuff on facebook and his friends put up things that they're jealous that he was there and they didn't get to go (laughs) so there's definitely it's definitely an accepted part of culture now where it was kind of you know, much more low-key back in the old days. Well, the older kids used to call me Space Case and knock my glasses off. <laughs> you know uh, what I you mean? Know, I, and I, I could compare, you know, I, I went to a show back in the 70s where Stan Lee was there, and he got up and he, you know, he, they basically did like kind of a panel where he talked to the, the, to the crowd. And then afterwards he, you know, basically people lined up and he signed autographs and... I, I, you know, I have a very clear memory that I waited on the line for, you know, a few minutes. But when I got up to him, I started, you know, he he would like talk to you a little bit. You know, you could ask him a question, and you know, you couldn't spend too much time because there was a line. But, you know, he he could interact with you a little bit. Then uh, this past March, I went to the same show that Jose was talking about earlier, and they had the thing where you could take a picture with him. And I thought, you know, hey, Stan's eighty nine years old. I'm I'm going to take the picture with him, and. Basically, they just kind of line you up, you walk up, you take a picture, and they walk you right out. You don't have time to talk to them. The most you have time to do is say hello. That's it. Yeah, that's a, that's a little depressing. I, I think you have to pay for those pictures, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was like 50 bucks. I mean, it wasn't cheap. But like I said, mm-hmm. I, you know, Stan, Stan Lee's like one of my all-time favorite At the same just po- celebrities. The, I was just going to say, by the same point, he's 89 years old. So <laughs> try to get as many people into those pictures as possible, you know? Well, and that's that's what I said to myself. I said, you know, I'm not going to have this chance too much longer because either, you know, he, I, I, I don't wish for him to be gone. But even if he's still around, there's going to come a point where he just can't do this anymore. Well, we, so yeah. I thought, you know, this is probably my last chance. Let we, me just do it. We were having a conversation the other day of like a lot of our favorite celebrities. If you really want to get to know them, get a jo- go to Hollywood and get a job in a nursing home. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, it's uh, we were having a conversation with one of our friends who was an orderly at a nursing home, and their first day at work, they took him in, and she had to give a genital cleaning to an older gentleman. And at the end of the day, they're like, "So, did you meet Marlon Brando?" <laughs> she's like, uh-huh. "I don't know." She's like, "He was in room 15B," and she's like, "Yeah, actually, I had to wash his genitals." <laughs> So I'm I'm, that's I'm just happy with these conventions that you know I mean Sunday is generally kids' day, but even like if kids aren't if you bring your kids earlier, so there's still a lot for them to do. I know the Lego booth had these uh, uh it's like a four sided booth you know so on the sides of the walls they had these Lego sheets and on the bottom they had buckets. So what you could do is you can just you know take random pieces and and make things on the wall. Some people did names. Some people made you know a Lego TARDIS on the wall. But there's like they made a lot of things interactive for kids this year, which I really you know liked and appreciated. Yeah, I think they're starting to realize that a lot of people are bringing their kids to it and stuff like that. And uh, it's funny the only the first recent con I went to was Dragon Con, and I totally got the vibe from Dragon Con of don't bring your kids, because um. 
Yeah, no. Maybe during the I day? Mean, yeah, a- after like 10 o'clock, you really want to lock the kids up in the room and put like an extra padlock There's on them. a lot them. of stuff you don't want the kids to see, yeah, but... But then again, during the day, sometimes it seemed like there's there's an atmosphere of where you could be adult pretty much any time at Dragon Con. So I was sort of thinking that was what they were all like. But then when I went to Star Wars Celebration, I was like, oh, okay, this is like 100% family friendly, you know. It, actually, very, very um, kid accessible. Which, that was one of my complaints about dragon con but at the same time it was also so crowded there that if you had kids put into the mix of that a lot of kids it could be uh completely unmanageable that's that's what i thought about the sunday you know the when when basically sunday is kids i think 12 and under are free so there's a lot wow. of young kids there. Yeah. yeah. And and there when is. I first went, you know, my son was still in that age, so I, I went on Sunday so they didn't have to pay for an extra ticket. And uh, it gets a little scary sometimes because you could get easily separated. That's the biggest yes. thing. But, but, you know, it is, other than that fear, it is pretty kid-friendly. And, and, and you know, one of, the, one of the nice things about doing it on Sunday, too, is, you know, you get some of the retailers who are just trying to move products, so they drop the price on some things. So at the end of the day, you can kind of let your, you know, your kid go wild and pick up some stuff that you might not be able to buy from otherwise. Screw the kid. I was getting stuff for deals on Sundays. That was awesome. Yeah, there you go. See, that's, well, you're a kid. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You got him free that day. <laughs> I will say about... Uh, Dario's email, um, what he said about the comic area that it's shrinking. On that respect, it is getting a, it's getting they're pushing it more towards the back to like more the uh, like the exhibitor area. But depending where you look, there they do tend to put you know dollar bins, places that sell dollar bins. They tend to put them all in the same area. So if you're looking for things, you know maybe for a dollar or fifty cents, you're not going booth to booth to booth. You're pretty much going down a straight line to different dealers. So they're trying to make it more organized at least, and that I appreciated a lot this year. Yeah, I, I thought so too. I, I thought that there was, you know, I thought there were a decent amount of uh, of comic book dealers, uh, and I and I think, you know, there's so much going on. It's hard to kind of keep track of everything. But the fact that they moved Artist Alley to a separate area of the con, at first I thought it kind of bothered me because I thought, oh, it's so far off the beaten path. But then, you know, as the day went on and into the second day, I kind of liked it because it kind of separated things. First of all, you know, if you went into Artist Alley, you kind of had that huge, it was like an air, aircraft ha- uh, hangar. Yeah, it uh, was that huge. That's how you big know, it and, was. And, and it was roomy enough that you could go and seek out people and not have that, you know, that, that wall of people. Uh, and I think it, it almost made it seem like the comic area was smaller than it was. Because, I mean, the Javits Center is just huge. So even with a tremendous amount of space given to comic books, it's still just a, 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 you know, a small percentage of the overall center. So it may have seemed smaller than it actually was. I think it was pretty big just the same. And they had excellent deals. I mean, I, I racked up on issues of American Vampire for, I think, a dollar each because some guy was just trying to get rid of his excess stock, and he had pretty much everything I was looking for at, if you know where to look, you'll get good deals. It's just because it's in a separate area and because it's a little bit smaller, it made the hunt all that more fun to look for things I was looking for on my checklist. 
the hunt is half the game, my friend. Yeah, especially at, at Comic Cons too. I mean, you you can really rack up if if you just look around. If you go to the first table and buy it, you know somewhere else it's like fifty cents or, or a quarter maybe. Mm-hmm. I always like I always like go doing a a, a one quick run through doing a scope, you know, scoping scoping out what everything is, and then a second swoop through to to actually like pick up stuff. And if if you know specifically what you're looking for, and you kind of know values, you know, if something pops up in your first go round that turns out it really is a good buy. You know, you'll be aware of that, and you'll know to pick it up then. But you know, if, if it's just kind of run of the mill, okay, yeah, this is something I find in the dollar bin all the time. You don't have to rush to buy it. Yeah. And uh, the other thing I appreciated was, I mean, like I said, the staff was really organized this year. Um, with Artist Alley and with you know signings at booths, they had people who they had like maybe a little stick with like a sign on it, and it said, "This is the end of the line." So that either meant, you know, if the line was too long, you can tell where the end of the line was, or these are people putting caps saying we can't accept any more people. Because sometimes lines get, you know, they get a little too too crowded, too busy, or they block traffic. So they were really good this year of keeping the areas clear and not having too many people on the line. Yeah, One, one of my disappointments, one of the people who I was seeking out, uh, because I met him last year and he was such a good guy, was uh, Jimmy Palmiotti. Uh, and he was there, but he was under the weather, so he wasn't hanging out in Artist Alley. Yeah. He, he, did, with- uh, he, he had a scheduled time to be at the DC booth, and he was there for that. But otherwise, he, he just kind of wasn't hanging out, which, like I said, I would have liked to have at least had a chance to go over and say hello again. He was, I had that he issue was with Tomas Scott's last year. ear off when we met him. Well, he, you know, I, I talked about it last year. He and I come from uh, pretty much the same general area. So last year when we started talking, we were comparing, you know, we weren't really talking comics. We were comparing a lot of notes about the old neighborhood. And uh, even on Facebook uh, this year, he, he started, you know, while he was in town, he was putting, you know, which restaurants he was going to and, you know, brought back a lot of memories. He talked about a comic book store over on Flatbush Avenue and Ditmas Avenue that I used to go to, you know, back in the 70s. And apparently so did he back then, which is kind of cool. Indeed. Well, we're hitting the yeah about the fourteen hour. hour mark. Yeah, about the uh, the seventeen eighteen hour mark. Uh, <laughs> but I I feel like I was there. And next I, year you will be. And next year I will be. <laughs> I could almost smell the funk. <laughs> There's plenty to be had. Was what is was it bad? Is it is it an airy place or were there some? Um, it, it usually depends which day you go on. Like if you go on that Saturday, <laughs> there's no way to avoid it. That's what we should do next year when we when we're there recording. We should have a confunk index, and you know we could, uh, you know, you guys can have fun with that. <laughs> See, I, I'm I'm really really lucky because when I was young, I broke my nose several times. <laughs> And and it's it's not something you generally consider yourself lucky for. Right, right. But, but because of that, I have a very, very poor sense of smell. <laughs> and it never comes in more handy than at things like, like Comic-Con. I have never wanted a guy with a Captain America shield to stand in front of me so badly that when I'm looking through bins. <laughs> well, you get Mike over there with you, and he'll just kind of tear into the people because <laughs> clearly is a point of... Uh, 
Well, maybe next I'm year we'll bring. I'm really just done with it. In all honesty, I'm just <laughs> I'm just tired of suffering the fools gladly. It's uh, it, it's time. I mean, really and truly, if you're the type of person that has to be embarrassed to start wearing deodorant, then obviously I am the man for the job because I will embarrass the crap out of you. <laughs> well, how about this? So, so basically, you bring Mike with you, and then you go through the bins while he stands guard. Well, we we, we also make a a pamphlet up like those chick comics, those religious tracts. But oh, just, God. you know, a little comic book about, you know, Joe comic fan, you know, he's leaving his mom's bye mom and you see the little stink lines coming up and he goes there and it shows what everybody's thinking about him and people vomiting behind him. And, and maybe it'll even come with one of those little hotel bars of soap or something. You can just pass him out at the free comic. They can't really, last, they last won't year be able they to did actually have, they actually had people giving out like those, uh, you know, like those travel deodorant samples. Oh, they actually good. had people Aww. giving those out. Oh, good. At so least, at least I thought you were going to say something like Axe body spray or something like that's that. That's what I was thinking. Why don't they sponsor it? Imagine. <laughs> because no, you know who? I don't know what would know? be worse, funk and funk intermingled with Axe tons of Axe body it, spray. If you, if you want like a truly mean thing, I, I guess the best people to have a booth at any science fiction comic book you know, related convention, fantasy convention, the hover around people should really uh, <laughs> should really start looking into this the because hover- yeah, they should make Dalek hover rounds and Captain Christopher Pike hover rounds oh. and, and um, <laughs> Professor X hover rounds. There's a whole, you know, the, the, the possibilities are endless. You could make one that looks like a um, sand, uh, sand crawler. Yeah. Jabba's barge hover around. <laughs> I'll say this. It was a fun convention. I don't know if I'll do four days ever again, but it's something to look forward to every year. I say next year it's two days at the con, two days on the town. Well, if, if it's the same for me again, timing-wise, then I know Sunday I'm definitely out because that's when I do my cancer walk. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But you know, I I could see doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'll how see far, how long is the cancer walk? Well, you know, I mean, the walk itself is symbolic. It's you know, you you I, I fundraise for a couple of months and then. Uh, my my mom is eighty one. Well, do, do you find uh, and she walks with us this year per mile or something, or is it just people no? Sponsor like you the walk is symbolic. Walk. People just people donate a flat rate and uh, and and then we just walk and uh, you know. But like I said, my mom walked with us this year and she's eighty one, so we just did one mile. Uh, you could do one or no, usually it's one, three, or five. This year it was just one or three. Maybe I can get on on the maybe I can get on on the walk. We could probably find some two true freaks listeners to sponsor in on that. Oh, that'd be very cool. Yeah, and then, you know, usually what we do is we walk, and then we, you know, the last two years we've uh, just gone to a diner and eaten afterwards. But before that, I used to have, like, a barbecue at the house afterwards for everybody that walked, and I'm I'm trying to get back to that for next year. We could get some good comedy pictures of me doing it with a cigarette dangling out of my mouth or crawling across the finish line. <laughs> People handing me water from the sidelines. Maybe I'll get Chris Tyler to come up with me to be my uh he can be my coach and yell stuff from the sidelines and dust me with water every once in a while well if you're coming up anyway <laughs> it'd be pretty cool and, okay and chinatown 
food in Chinatown. That's what I'm. I'm dying for. Actually, there's a there's a there's a. I I hope it's still there. There's a Mexican place, up in um, on Houston Street. That had some of the best, just most amazing tamales I've ever had in my life. Anywhere. Well, if you're going to be in Manhattan for the weekend and you're talking Chinatown, then you have to go to Wohops uh, at like two in the morning. Is it like um, that? The appetizer, like the buns and stuff like that, or kind of food, or what kind of food is it? Yeah, well, it's like Chinese food, food uh, but I can I can rarely remember actually being there and being you know totally sober. Ah, okay. Uh, I like those it, kinds it, of places. It is a big. You know, late night Chinese Chinatown play, uh, food place. I'm all about the food. I don't know about you guys, but you know, if 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 I'm on nerd business, I consider food, and usually unhealthy food, I consider that nerd business. So, I don't know how you guys' stomachs are, but uh, I'm willing to put them <laughs> to the test. <laughs> I'm willing to put mine to the test. I'm usually good with diners. I love diners. Yeah, me too. I'm a. I, I like go. I like my test of diners is meatloaf. I love meatloaf, and uh, good diner meatloaf is one of the greatest delicacies of of my life. For me, it's BLTs and milkshakes. There's uh, two things that I'm. Well, there, there's a bunch of things, but two things in particular that I miss about living in the north. One is you can't get decent pizza around here to save your freaking life. You know, you really, it's it's a miracle that they get it right at all. And uh, two, we don't have diners. We have waffle houses, um, which just isn't the same. It's different. Yes, it's totally different. Where else are you going to get two burgers and a, and a plate of chips and a Coke for like three bucks? I mean, damn. Now I'm depressed. Yeah, we have. I'm, di- just like, I'm just like you said, chips. I have two di- 24-hour diners within walking distance that serve dollar ninety-nine breakfast of you know two eggs, toast, sausage or bacon, and orange juice. You know, that's that's diner, and they need to have chicken fried steak too. Where I lived in PA, I mean, you you could throw a rock and hit a diner. So, right, right. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were all over the place. I mean, even the chain diner, the trivet, was really good. You know, so. Well, over here, you could throw a rock and hit a pizzeria. That's for yes, sure. Yes, yes. Hell yeah. That's one thing. But, you know, I love Mike, about you, you could have Domino's over there. <laughs> yeah, you could get some Domino's, some Pizza Hut every now and then. Oh, yeah, Domino's. You know, because I like cardboard with cheese and sauce on it. Because I swear to God, they changed everything recently. The crust sucks. You could strip paint with the sauce. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's just an yeah. awful lot. If, if, I, I if you're going to eat pizza, you, you need it from Italy or New or you, you need its roots have to come from Italy or New York City. Otherwise, it can be good. But like we have, we have one place in Rochester. We have a few places with transplanted New York City pizzeria people, but there's one place downtown, and it's a hole in the wall, and it's got attitude, but it's authentic, and that place is mobbed daily because there's nothing like real the, the crust on a real New York pizza. 
and oh, do they do a coal-fired oven? Is mm-hmm. is that their secret or no? It's just a pizza oven. the The secret is just the right thick. It's the, having the cooks who've perfected getting. It, it's not even getting the crust right out of the oven. They get it's that you have to make a pe- the, these thin crust pizzas that come out of the oven, like. 90% done. And that way when someone orders their slice, they throw it right back in the pizza oven, shut the door, and then, you know, 3 minutes later they pull it out and you've got this sort of fresh, crackly um you know, crunchiness to the to the crust of it and the sort of perfect, you know, New York City pizza, the cheese isn't like so hot, it's stretchy, it's kind of that re- it's just this whole combination of textures and and flavors and it's nothing fancy it's no, no fancy sauce everything's good on it but nothing you know really super spectacular it's almost the simplicity of it you know you you really want to get just like cheese or pepperoni you know is basically what you want to go for but that's it's undeniably superior to you know a when you go someplace and get, I love big, thick, gooey crusts with melty cheese on them and stuff. But when you're when you're eating that, you know you're eating the real thing. This is how this is how God in His creation intended for a for a pizza to be. And then don't even get me started on bagels. <laughs> like we we don't have any place here in Rochester where you can get a, a New York City bagel. Yeah, we can get bagels on the, the the hot dog cart. Some people have them. Oh yeah, that's what I. There's all sorts of things in New York. Like I love in New York City when you're walking down the street. There's people, you know, they're basically like a fruit vendor, and they'll throw all the fruit in and make a, oh, a smoothie yeah, for you. Here. Right, right off the street, and you get the a hundred percent fruit and ice smoothie that's just pure deliciousness for you know a couple bucks. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna gain five pounds, five to seven pounds on that trip. If, but it's well worth it. that. I, I that's what I'll consider success. Yes, and I love it. Any true, true nerd show should either begin or end with talk about junk food. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, yeah, I hope the hair metal hero is listening because yeah, he's the one who started the whole two true freaks late night talk about food i wish i had some new york city pizza right now i'm gonna get some tomorrow yeah no shit you all suck i had it for dinner tonight (laughs) well not new york city but new york well you know uh, michael you guys got your delicacies down there you got your um oh what is it what was that stew that i got um Brunswick stew. Brunswick stew. You got your Brunswick Unfortunately, stew. Unfortunately, they the don't only make it place... out of squirrel anymore like they used to in the authentic <laughs> days. But unfortunately, the one place in our in our town that we like to go to for Brunswick stew closed because the guy just finally retired, and it was the best. And 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 the other places that serve it don't do it right because there's a certain way you really have to cook that. So that that's what I've heard. Well, when I went down, when I, when I went down to dragon count, I went to visit a friend of mine who was near Athens, but in really uh, rural and her and her boyfriend were like, well, we got to take him to get some stew. And I'm like, Oh, that sounds, that sounds intriguing. And they're like, 
Should we take him to the place where the stew tastes better or where they really make the real stew? And I'm like, let's go to the real. And it was basically sort of like it was the restaurant almost was like an extension of this family's kitchen. They literally, they, you sat down at the table. They, they flopped down a loaf of Wonder Bread on the table. Here's your loaf of bread. And they came out with the with the handle the pot with a handle on it and a big ladle and they ladled out your your stew on the plate and when it looked like your stew was getting low they'd come out more stew and pile some more on your plate and and it was it was it was good it was uh not not what I was expecting at all but because I I'd I'd read about Brunswick stew and it was basically whatever you could catch and kill. You would catch it, kill it, and then you would cook it for a long, long time <laughs> with with certain, with lots of onions and vegetables to cover up the gamey squirrel flavor. The stew I had was chicken and beef, though. So I know we have uh, Chinese stops that are pretty much like like pretty much only here because everywhere else I go, I've, I've noticed if you want Chinese food, you have to go into a restaurant and sit down and eat it. Here we have like these little places, you know, on the block. You go in, you you talk to the lady behind the the counter that has like you know a, a graded fence, the window. You make your order, you pay them, and then they just give you your food. They just hand it over. Do, now, do you guys have banh mi there? Is that is that caught on there at all? It's like Vietnamese. They're these sandwiches on French bread, and they're a street food. No, they I, I haven't are seen them. Delicious, if you ever. What do, what do they call them? They're called Ban Mies, and they're Vietnamese, and they're they're street food. I know they're big. I know that they were on the west coast, and we just got a couple shops that were the the they're usually a street food. They're usually about three dollars for one of them, and it's like a whole piece of, you know, maybe like a eight inch French bread, and it's got this sort of spiced butter on it. It's got shredded carrots, um. Thin, thin slices of cucumber, lots of cilantro, and then usually really salty, you know, soy saucy, honey and soy saucy flavored chicken or beef. Or a lot of times, it, the specialty of it is sort of head cheese sort of stuff. So if you're squeamish about that, you want to stay away. But, uh, oh boy, for $3, it's like a full meal, and it's actually fairly healthy for it's actually got vegetables and stuff in it but oh my god they're del- delicious and they just started popping up it here in Rochester which means to me usually that every all the big cities have probably had them for like 5 years hang around but if you see if you see one of those i'm telling you it's a, it's a, it's addictive can you tell we're hungry? Oh, guys! Yeah, I'm, I'm going to bed. Yeah, I'm gonna go make a. I'm gonna go make a Dagwood sandwich and then go to bed. You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website. Donate any amount at all. Tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy. 
and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com, 2 True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite 2 True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling, and it really helps us out. So please... Use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs> visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.Libson.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libson is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at two truefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S C O T T G A R D N E R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. And this is your Uncle Don saying goodnight. Good night, little kids. Good night. We're off? Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards.